Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 226 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Joe, and I am happy to announce that earlier today, I finally got to listen to your appearance on the Stink Sheet. The, fu- the episode finally came out on Google Podcast. That was going to be the first thing that I was going to ask you was, did it finally come up on a Google Podcast? I shit all over you and your precious Google Podcast on Longbox Heroes this week. I, um, I did see uh, Kurt from the stink sheet was lamenting that i guess now anchor fm is making him trying to make him do shit with the uh-huh. with the rss feed so he might be moving it somewhere else hopefully to a uh you know a, a, a podcast host that works i guess yeah but no i finally I, I think i got it like yesterday or late the night before and i finally got a chance to listen to it today on my safari and uh it was a fun appearance it was a, it was joe like you've never seen before oh my goodness yes but no it's i as much as when i go on somebody else's podcast um you know it's it's you know it's, it's like triple edged if you will like it's you typically i'm going on because i enjoy the podcast whatever Mm. Um, secondly, of course, you know, hopefully I reach out and their audience comes and listens to us, um, or at the very least, like our audience goes and listens to like a podcast that I like. So we get that little bit of a crossover, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's, uh, it's always good to hear you on another one of Ed's shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, uh, information in regards to, uh, Ed's shows, uh, in the near future, but that's uh, for the secret level of the Patreon. Ooh, nice. I can't wait to hear about uh, uh, y- the Young Ed Sounds Good show. or the young, Ed, the young Ed Podcast Sounds Good is the yes. official title of the show, yes. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think. Um, oh, there is one of the... Th- I was, there's one thing I'm trying to find, and these people change their goddamn feed so it pisses me off you know yeah yeah get get one uh twitter handle one uh name and stick with it damn it right None that's of why i haven't changed my avatar since i got twitter like mm-hmm. 10 years ago well you have a fa- you have a fancy uh hand-drawn logo so you know <laughs> i do from the I... definitive colonel sanders artist <laughs> i feel that all the time too when uh somebody changes their like their username or their twitter profile picture Mm. um that i need to get um not approval but at least a notification that says like (laughs) oh this person that you follow changed their picture or changed their whatever you know yeah that's why i stopped changing the at odds twitter because i used to change it every week to match the show image yeah yeah but i was like sometimes i'll be scrolling through and i won't recognize a tweet that i just sent from the show account so i was like you know what let's just stick with one logo for a little while all right cool cool I like it. I like we're on the same page. Yeah. It's been like that for about a month now. Yes. All right. So let's get into the show, huh? Yeah, let's do a jam-packed show. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right. This day in wrestling history, uh, we have our typical, our head-to-head, uh, Raw versus Nitro, nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, sadly, two relatively uneventful shows. Um, you know, as we're in between Rumble and WrestleMania over on Monday Night Raw, uh, and on Nitro, where the night after the sold-out pay-per-view, which 
uh, again, was an uneventful pay-per-view, all <laughs> things considered. Um, it's a good pay-per-view, like, but, like, like, there's good matches and stuff on it. Like, Giant versus Nash is really good. Benoit versus Raven is really good. Mr. Hitman versus Ric Flair is really good. But then, like, the next night on Nitro, none of that stuff is followed up on. It's a three-hour Nitro, so there is literally three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen matches on Nitro. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So there's nothing really given time to date to to breathe. Um, the new talent initiative over on Raw uh, Nitro is still continuing as uh, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, makes his return to WCW. Well, at least uh, that's like a decent name. That's you know that's that's better than the guy who played uh, uh, Berserker. Well, and, and again, this is this is Davy at his absolute worst. Um, so he gets paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year by WCW. Okay. And 150 of that is to pay out the rest of his time on his WWF contract. And Davey is coming into the company injured and continues in no condition to perform, allegedly on a diet of somas and crack. And again, I say allegedly, allegedly to all of this, right? Even though yeah, it's yeah. killed in his book. Um, but um, so he comes in, Wayne Bloom comes in. <laughs> Beverly brother Wayne Bloom, right? The other, the other Beverly brother, right? And Louis Spicoli, uh, oh, an okay. actual young person. Yeah. All right. Um, and then Raw, like I said, the only thing of note that happens on Raw, this is the Monday Night Raw where Owen Hart wins the European title by beating Goldust dressed like Triple H. <laughs> All right. That that sounds like Attitude Era. Yeah. Um, that's really the only thing that happens on Raw. Nitro's a mess. Uh, this day in wrestling history in 1999 is, uh, WWF halftime heat. Okay. That, that's something that I remember fondly. That, I feel like that's height of, like, Attitude Era, like, mainstream wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, you know, the, um, Mick Foley, you know, we'll get, and it's one of those things where, because it was a 99 Raw, we'll get to Mick winning the title uh, from The Rock um, on a Raw. A year from now, um, Mick loses the belt to The Rock at Royal Rumble 99, and then he beats The Rock for the title here at Halftime Heat to get it back, and then I think The Rock wins it back somewhere else along the way. Uh, this was fun. It was an empty arena match. It was heel Vince on commentary, which he would dabble with as part of like being Mr. McMahon. Mm. And I was looking for the uh, final wrestling place episode before they went and flipped their Twitter over to T and M shows. <laughs> um, because this is the episode where as heel Vince on commentary, uh, Vince equates the world wrestling entertainment to like, Soap opera action adventure road runners something and I wanted to get the exact quote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't find it through like their old Twitter handle or the new Twitter handle through the Wayback Machine. So mm. Tim and or Marcus can correct us uh in the show notes, the comments, the whatevers, right? Yeah. Do you think like it's been twenty four years now? Why hasn't there been a second halftime heat? Especially if you can just well, throw it up on the cock. So there has been, there's been two halftime heats since, Adam. There has? There has. So there was, uh, so we had 1999, 
this was this one of the Rock vs. Mankind. Uh-huh. Um, they had another one a year later, no match, but it was the first interview with Stone Cold after his neck surgery. I have no memory of that, but it's right, only so an I, interview, so... I have no memory of that either. And then 2019, Adam, NXT from the Performance Center had a match of John Gargano, Tom the Chomper, and Adam Cole... Baby. ...taking on Al Black, Ricochet, and Velveteen Dream. Hmm. I... 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 I I don't, I kind of remember that, but I don't, but. Right. I mean, we were probably doing the podcast then, too. We I probably, probably talked about it, like, in great depth. Right. Um, it was like they, um, right, it was like a follow-up to a takeover, whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just that there's so much shit that goes on, like, let's say in the last, like, five years, everything kind of folds in on itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll kind of get... Oh, go ahead. No, I just said all right. So we'll kind of get into that a little bit here with these next two, because on this day in wrestling history, uh, 2014 was the Royal Rumble from Pittsburgh, and 2020 was the Royal Rumble from Houston, Texas, which is where the Royal Rumble is again. Uh, is it... The, no, this it's San Antonio this weekend, right? Yeah, San Antonio. Okay. So, um, 2014 Royal Rumble was, uh, the ma- the Royal Rumble match itself was covered in depth, uh, over on We Need Wrestling this past week with the Royal Rumbler herself, <laughs> Shell. <laughs> yeah. She um, was super disappointed in, uh, Big Dave getting the win. Yeah. Now, and so that's the thing. So, uh, Batista wins, and obviously in context, it was all set up for Batista to win, and Batista to go on to WrestleMania to wrestle Randy Orton and win the title, right? Yeah, plans change. Plans change, pal, because um, they had beaten down Daniel Bryan so much, and the fans were so behind him for the last, like, two months leading up to this. Um, And they could have very easily just ignored it or squashed all of this. But because of CM Punk walking out of the World Wrestling Entertainment the next day, Uh, Because of him getting a concussion in this match and him being promised that his big WrestleMania moment match was going to be him versus Triple H, they had to kind of scramble and give something that the fans would actually want to pay for and see. And there's a match on this show, um, which is Daniel Bryan versus Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt wins. And they never announced that Daniel Bryan was in the Royal Rumble. And then when number 30 comes out, it's Rey Mysterio. And he is... ferociously booed because yeah. everyone had it built up in their mind. Well, it's going to be Daniel Bryan. And he's going to come out, win the Royal rumble and go to WrestleMania. Like we all want, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was listening to uh, the podcast, you know, we need wrestling and it just made me think, why did you send out poor Ray at number 30? You should have at least sent out a heel. Yeah. Or were they just unaware of the fact that that would get a bad response. Like they were 100% unaware that it would get a bad response. You would think there'd be somebody in that company that has Vince's ear that actually knows what the fans want. <laughs> or at least well, they probably is, but they're afraid to say anything to him. Is there someone that has Vince's ear? Yes. Is there someone that knows what the fans want? Yes. Are they the same person? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so th- this match, and I know you're going to be shocked by this, uh, the Bray Wyatt-Daniel Bryan match on this uh, Royal Rumble from 2014 is Bray Wyatt's best match to date. 
Yeah, it's um, almost like uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson can sometimes drag a good match out of, like, let's just say big pieces of shit like Brian Cage. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but then Royal Rumble 2020 is the fiend Bray Wyatt, who's the champion, defending the title against Daniel Bryan in a strap match. Not a Yapify strap match, but a strap match nonetheless. <laughs> Um, and this is the Royal Rumble where Drew McIntyre wins. And Drew, unfortunately, gets his big WrestleMania stuff get cut out for, from underneath him because, like, three weeks later, the pandemic hits. And this is the Edge Return Rumble, too, right? This is the Edge Return Rumble as well, yes. Okay. Um, but it's just so funny that, like, six years apart, 2014 and 2020, uh, Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan have matched the Royal Rumble kind of like Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens having a match at the Royal Rumble seemingly every year. Yeah. It's funny how, like, long Bray Wyatt was in WWE, but you can count on, like, one hand, like, super memorable things. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's got a lot of moments, right? Yeah. He's got a lot of bits. He's got a lot of entrances. He's got a lot of stuff, which is what WWE cares about. But a lot of times, like, we as the fans, especially us type of fans, you know, we care about all of those things as well as the match on top of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. So that's our wrestling history stuff. Let's get into stuff that we want to talk about that happened this week. All right. Um, I'm going to start things off. We might have just alluded to this, but I have mentioned recently, very often, that I fear that I am AEW pilled. Cool. Uh so, with that being said, I think with fair's fair, I will have to say that excluding the main event, which just exists in its own bubble, like, it it was a special thing that, you know, I feel like stands apart from the rest of the show. The rest of Dynamite was really bad by AEW standards. Like, I, I was getting ready to write my notes for the podcast, and I'm like, all right, what am I going to mark down as, like, something that happened on Dynamite that I care about? And I couldn't think of a single thing. Uh, the best match was probably Danielson versus Cage, but it wasn't like nearly as good. That not even in the stratosphere of any of the other recent Danielson matches. And obviously, you can only do so much with what you're given. Um, but aside from the the emotional impact of the main event, the show was kind of blah. So I just wanted to take a moment to just kind of. Uh, you know, be fair and balanced that because I am a broadcast journalist and say that AEW Dynamite wasn't a great show this week. Was Dynamite a great show this week? And obviously, you know, this will lead into what I'm saying. I thought the Daniel Bryan, Brian Cage match or Brian Danielson, whatever, uh, was probably Danielson's worst match in AEW. Mm -hmm. um, I think Brian Cage is OK at best. Um. But, yeah, it was like, you know, they had a good run of, like, three really good Dynamites in a row, and this one was just kind of sort of okay. And I think part of that is, you know, Moxley not being on the show, maybe. Um, obviously, the main event was the main event. Um, I, I'm not really sure. Cause it was great, right? But yeah. I don't think you can judge it the same way that you've judged the rest of the show. I don't know if you could judge it the way that, like, you've judged previous episodes of Dynamite or whatever it is. Because I'll tell you, man, when, like, Sanjay and Jay Lethal came out for the main event and, like, they were just bawling their eyes out crying, I'm like, I'm not going to make it through this match, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, they're they're building stuff, you know? It's two weeks in a row that they figured out, like, let's not have MJF 
have a live mic in front of the crowd. <laughs> and another thing that bothered me is it's like, okay, Cage and MJF are beating the shit out of Danielson, and they've already established that Yuta at least is in the building. You know, Mox is home, and right. maybe Cesaro is somewhere else, but you've established that Yuta's there. Like, why isn't anybody having their back? Having his back. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was because they wanted it. Like, they could have done something where you show that there's an altercation backstage. I know they're going to have the match on Rampage, but you could show that there was an altercation with Yuta. Like, even though there was, like, the promo segment, but you can even have, like, a little pull-apart brawl where they're being, like, held back by security because they're fighting with each other with Yuta and Hangman, and that kind of explains why Yuta can't come out. Yeah, I mean, it, they could very easily fix it with, like, even just a, a Twitter, YouTube-exclusive thing where it's like, here's Yuta and Claudio getting thrown out of the arena because of something, you know? And they couldn't come in and save Danielson. But I really think they wanted it to be Takeshi to be the one because I think we're going to get, before the pay-per-view, we're going to get Takeshi versus MJF in a non-title match, and Takeshi is going to beat MJF. I really think that's going to happen. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe Takeshi can get on that elevator with MJF. I tell you, nothing makes me happier than um, MJF interactions with people in real life um, and then them tweeting about it. (laughs) You know, I saw that video and obviously, you know, I think you shared it or whatever. And like my first thought is, okay, who cares? You know, this is just MJF playing MJF, you know, uh, living the character. Right. And But then I got mad where I was like thinking to myself, like, if I was in that hotel and I was like trying to get to my room, you know, I'm just standing at the elevator waiting to go upstairs. And then he strolls over all pissy and he's like, if anybody gets on this elevator, they're going to be sorry or whatever. I, I, I'd like to think that I'd be like, shut the fuck up and then get in there. But. But then I calmed down because I realized that it's all just a bunch of fans that were, like, trying to get glimpses of, like, wrestlers going to the room, which, all right, I side with Max, but it was a roller coaster of emotions. I know, I, you know, I know I, I tweeted my real account of what really happened when I was there at the hotel in uh, Jeffersonville, Kentucky, or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, I know. You get around, man. I do. Um, but I, I know how I would have. I, I know how I would have handled the situation. Like I would have just played it up that I wasn't a wrestling person. I would have got on the thing and he said something like that to me. And like I look like I do. I can't kick anyone's ass. But I'm like I would say like, and especially if there was people filming, I'd be like, dude, I don't even know who the fuck you are. <laughs> yeah, but you'd be thrown off by the fact that you're you're usually dressed head to well, sometimes comic yeah. shirts. I was gonna say, go ahead. Rest. I was going to say you might have like a, an Eddie Kingston shirt on or something like that, you know, yeah. it might have given it away that you would have to know who MJF is. But I get your picture. Yeah, there's ways to handle these sort of people. I'm good to have around like the day after an incident like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I am such a yeah. Well, the jerk store called and they're all out of you type of person. Like after the fact, I come up with a lot of things that I would have done. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, and obviously we're talking about it, of course. Um, you know, last week, the passing of Jay Briscoe, we talked about it quite a bit on the show. Um, you know, believe what you will and everything that it took to get Mark to be mentioned, like to, to get the Briscoes to be mentioned on TV, to get them to do the tribute to Jay on the show, to give Mark the match to main event the show. Um, you know, and obviously I'm not a ratings guy. I don't really think that 
Warner Discovery fought this hard. I just think maybe Tony didn't want to broach the subject or whatever it was, but I'm not a conspiracy person. I'm just glad that Jay's family and Mark got the moment, his friends got the moment, and they got that really special moment on TV to main event an episode of Dynamite. Um, and listen, Adam, I, I know that you said that you're uh, AEW pilled these days, but if there's any, if there's one thing that could assist you with washing those AEW pills out of your mouth, fans missed you, <laughs> right? I mean, all social media was a buzz, hoping you would make your triumphant return. If I'm honest, <laughs> I was one of those fans. I actually got goosebumps just thinking about what bringing you back would feel like. And now I get my hands on you after all this time. Mountain Dew Pitch Black is back, baby! Yeah! What? There's no way you possibly thought I was really excited for that cross-eyed half-wit Bray Wyatt, did you? No, no! Don't get lost in the sauce. I'm talking about Mountain Dew Pitch Black, backed by popular demand for a limited time and actually worthy of my time. Yeah. So Double J wasn't on TV this week, so <laughs> it's now time for your L.A. Night update. Um, we have to start it with a little bit of sad news. Uh -oh. um, when he came out on SmackDown this week, they announced him as being from Hollywood, California. Yeah, they got to make up their mind with him. Come on, like part of his gimmick they spent like three weeks as part of it that they fucked up that he was from hagerstown maryland right mm -hmm. oh my god and now just to flip back to, uh, to just to flip it over to hollywood california which is what it should have been from the goddamn start right yeah it's like back when uh like the early 2000s when everybody from the wwe suddenly was hailing from like orlando florida or tampa florida you right. know like it was like chris jericho from tampa florida yeah his entire career he had been from winnipeg manitoba canada but because he was today living in florida we have to change where he's announced from right whatever okay <laughs> yeah it's just it's one of those weird vince things okay so SmackDown, the threat of LA Knight is so strong that the that Bray Wyatt needs to go to a place, a place that he hasn't been to in years, and that's the Firefly Funhouse. He has to do that because of the threat of LA Knight looming over him, right? <laughs> but no, no, it's not even that. It's not even that gonna shake LA Knight. I don't know if you saw the uh, web exclusive interview with LA Knight that probably only I watched, but no, he's I not afraid. <laughs> He's not afraid of some guy who plays with toys or puppets or whatever the hell it is that Bray Wyatt does. So Bray Wyatt gets on the phone, dials up and says, hey, dead man, could you maybe put the fear of whatever into L.A. night? Because me and my toys and trinkets and Uncle Howdy ain't doing it. So then all of a sudden, Mark has to get pulled away from the the Clearview Mall where he's shopping for New Balance sneakers to ride his motorcycle that doesn't even start in the first place to come to try to shake L.A. Knight. But you can't shake L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight just gets in his face. He says, I saw what you said about everyone on Joe Rogan, that everyone's a bunch of punks. I'm not like that. And he was going to give The Undertaker his last ride. That would have been the last you've seen of The Undertaker. And then, of course, Bray Wyatt has to come out. And then it's a two-on-one affair. And they leave L.A. Night laying. But who's the one doing the press junket? Who's the one out there with the pushing the Mountain Dew pitch black? Is it L.A. Night? Is it, is it The Fiend? Is it The Undertaker? No, no. It's L.A. Night. And this Saturday, when he beats The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, Uncle Howdy, he's going to beat them all. 
Beat up all the puppets. <laughs> all of it. This Saturday, L.A. night. Then he's going to enter himself. He's going to lay somebody out backstage, which I miss people doing. Lay somebody out backstage. Take their number. And then he's going to win the Royal Rumble. He's going to go on to WrestleMania. And he's going to be the one to beat Roman's uh, reign as the <laughs> champion. <laughs> oh, I like that you're invested in this bit. I, I do. I really do enjoy that. Um. <laughs> Listen, I've been drinking... No Mountain Dew pitch black for me. All just L.A. NyQuil. <laughs> yeah, so my other thing I was going to talk about is Monday Night Raw, and we'll start with the uh, the return of the American badass, The Undertaker, going trying to steal the spotlight from the Million Dollar Megastar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like your on board, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's infectious. It really is. Check with me again in like a month and we'll see where I'm at. But uh, (laughs) I I don't know if I said this on the pod, but like, obviously, you know, Undertaker was the American badass and he had the short hair and he had the motorcycle for a long time. And then, you know, for the nostalgia pop, he switched over to being the dead man again. And he was that throughout the rest of his career, um, you know, and even past it, like when he stayed way too long. And other than the Boneyard match, you know, he was pretty much the dead man for everything. And I always said, you know, he should have done another run because what's old is new again. And, like, people would pop for him coming out on the bike and him coming out to the Kid Rock, Metallica mix and all that stuff. So when he did it on Raw, I was like, okay, I don't like Undertaker. I wish he would go away, but I'm at least popping for the effort of trying something different, you know? So I appreciate that. But when it comes to the rest of Raw 30, it's just the same eight people over and over and over again. It's Hogan, even though he didn't have a a single memorable Monday Night Raw like appearance like during his wrestling career. It was all like, hey, Hogan was great on Raw 25 and Raw 20 and Raw Retro. You know, when he had a good run, I don't want to say good, but when he had a memorable run in the WWE in the Raw era, it was on SmackDown. You know, when he was like, uh, when people thought he was Mr. America or when he was teaming up with Edge, you know? So he doesn't really belong on a on a Raw anniversary show. And then it's like, hey, here's DX doing the same shit. Uh, oh, and, do you mean a uh, new DX uh, member, Kurt Angle? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring out new DX members, at least bring out, like, Wes and JB and Swoggle, but no. Right, at the very <laughs> least Swoggle. Yeah, and it's like, oh, here's the Million Dollar Man, and here's IRS, and here's Ron Simmons saying, damn, it's the same shit over and over again. And I hate to be morbid, but, like, eventually these guys aren't going to be showing up anymore, and then all of a sudden you're going to try to trot out, like, oh, here's Tyrus for Raw 50. (laughs) You know, and it's Mm. like, nobody's going to give a shit. Like, how about celebrating some other acts? You know, somebody that was actually famous in the WWE somewhere but like after 1998 and it's this it's the same shit over and over again when we hit raw 35 if all these guys are still alive they're going to do the same bits again and it's just so annoying so i will play a little devil's advocate with you and say that with hogan's nostalgia run um he did have um it was he was mostly on smackdown right mm-hmm. but the um, promo the night after Mania where he comes out and he turns face with The Rock was a big deal. Um, him and The Undertaker when Hogan was the champion 
Undertaker and him had their skits, like when Undertaker tied him into the motorcycle and the motorcycle wouldn't start and was dragging him backstage. Um, he had a good, like, little one-show program with William Regal on Raw. And then when he comes back for his next nostalgia run and he wrestles Randy Orton at SummerSlam, all of that stuff was on Raw. When he comes back and does his next nostalgia run after that and he does the stuff with Sean, all of that stuff is on Raw. Yes, he's primarily a SmackDown guy, but he did do a lot. It's just not as memorable. Um, but I'm with you. Um, there has to be other guys that are in good graces with the company and still alive, because, or at least a semblance of alive, because, like, Hogan's looking sad. Flair's been looking sad for, like, ten years. Kurt Angle looks sad. All of DX except for Sean Waltman looks sad. Mm-hmm. It's just they got to do something, you know, to, to spice up those anniversary shows, you know? Yeah. And it's like, is there anybody who, like, a laps fan or a casual fan that's like, oh, Hulk Hogan's going to be on Monday Night Raw tonight. I better tune in. Like, is that I, I'm sure that that's in their mind what's going to happen. But is anybody in this day and age, like, making appointment television to go, like, see Ric Flair on Monday Night Raw? Maybe. Uh. I, and again, I'm not a ratings guy, but the rating was up on Monday. But there was no Monday Night game for the first time in 18 weeks and you know that was and that was an old uh hogan thing with nitro and thunder and stuff he would take himself off tv during the playoffs when -hmm. like raw or nitro or thunder would be like preempted or shortened or moved or whatever he would take himself off of those episodes, and then when the playoffs were over, Hogan would come back to TV, and ratings would be up, and he'd be like, see, brother, I'm a big ratings draw. And it's like, no, there's no competition now, right? Yeah. Um. So, you know, you could argue that it was because there was no Monday night game, but you could also argue that it was because all the legends were there, and you could argue that it was the go-home show for the Royal Rumble. Um, WWE is never going to change until Vince is dead, and that's the end of it, you know? And even then... It's not going to change until Triple H is dead because Triple H books the same way as Vince does, whether we want to admit it or not, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's all I have. What do you have? Anything else? I could go. I, you want me to do a second, a second lap of my LA night stuff or, (laughs) uh, you know, we'll save that for next week. We have a lot of stuff to go over. Right. Again, because next week we're going to have him beating Bray Wyatt, uncle Howdy, the fiend and winning the Royal rumble. It's going to be at least a good 40-minute chunk on next week's show. That's that's smart. Save it for next week. I'm with you. All right. All right. Let's get into the homework from last week, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. That's right. Joe assigned me homework this week, and my homework was an episode of WCW Thunder from January 12, 2000, emanating from Erie, Pennsylvania. And if you did not get a chance to watch this show homework, go check out our friend Kevin's write-up on MassLibrary.com. He has a very well-put-together and greasy write-up of this show. Um, and, Joe, obviously this is part of our rewatching of the era of right when Vince Russo gets the boot and uh, there's some leadership changes in 
WCW's booking, correct? Right. So we're close. This is the last fully booked WCW Russo show until April 10th of 2020. Uh, um, as you could tell, there's a show-long storyline that it, um, it is just a swerve, right? If that's oh, not classic. Spoiler. If that's not classic Russo, I don't know what is, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so we start with the Nitro recap. Well, I'm the one that's doing the oh. homework. <laughs> oh, that's right. You have to go through it. Go ahead, and I'll, I'll chime in where I have to. Go I ahead. mean, I'll sit this one out. But No, no. go for it. Go for it. Uh, obviously, as you were saying, we uh, we start with a recap of Nitro, but we watched that uh, on the last time you assigned homework, so no need to go into great detail on that. Uh, but when we go to the arena, the NWO is showing up, which is Nash, Jarrett, and Big Papa Pump. However, Bret Hart is arriving separately. So some dissension based off of the the Nash Bret Hart match on uh, Nitro previously. I want to just I just want to chime in yep. here as we do our opening shot of the crowd. They tell us that this is the first uh, Wednesday Thunder. Thunder has moved from Thursdays to Wednesdays because they were getting their ass kicked by SmackDown at this point. And yep. you know it's a WCW moment where they do the pyro and only three of the four corner pyros go off. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So our first match is Vampiro versus Crowbar with David Flair and Daphne. Uh, when Vampiro comes out, he doesn't go down to the ring. He just kind of stays back by the entrance and he repeatedly tells the crowd to like keep his secret for him. Don't tell. Don't tell. I'm going to stay over here uh, because when uh, David Flair comes out, uh, Vampiro jumps him from behind. So when I was watching this, I was like, I better make a note that there's a pretty good chance this might be the only match on the show uh, or the only just straight match. And we'll follow that as we go along. Um, I think at one point, David Flair uh, like interferes in the match, but the camera missed it. And eventually Vampiro wins with a powerbomb. And, you know, obviously the heel tag team champs start beating down Vampiro. Arn Anderson comes out, tries to talk some reason into David Flair because he's his godfather and uh, ends up hitting Crowbar. And that's the end of the first match. Uh, I want to say that the 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 finish was cool with the top row powerbomb. Uh, you know, two relatively big guys doing a move like that was pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, women's extreme wrestling uh, veteran Scott Hudson on commentary. Uh, calls Vampiro. Vampiro at this time has like 19 nicknames, but Scott Hudson calls him the Dark Angel. Not to be confused with the Jessica Alba TV show Dark Angel that was on Fox at the time, taking place in the far-flung future year of 2019. <laughs> I love when that happens. Yes. It's like Transformers the movie set in the year 2005. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God, that sounds so futuristic, Adam. I know, they had hoverboards. <laughs> like, would it have made a difference if they said 3,005? It would have made a lot more sense. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned Scott Hudson's on commentary instead of Bobby Heenan. I wrote down Yuck. Um, they do a really detailed rundown of some stuff that's going to come up. But we go right to the ring when Bret Hart, uh, WCW champion Bret Hart, comes out with a baseball bat. And he let the fans down. He took shortcuts. He deserves all the booze and disgust. And I want to make a note of that whenever I criticize him. I'm just going to say Brett said he deserves it. Um, he says multiple... Just this, just this one time. Yeah. Uh, he says a bunch of times, from here on in, 
instead of from here on out, which kind yeah. of annoyed me. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. Um, but he quits the NWO. You know, he's just had enough of the NWO. Uh, obviously, they come out. Nash says that the Canadian hero bullshit is dead and that hard work doesn't pay. Uh, kudos to Nash on that. Brett says that Nash is a big, tall piece of shit. So uh, this, they're going through their AEW phase here where everybody gets to say shit. Uh, and Nash basically alludes that in addition to ending Brett's career, uh, he might just kill him. Uh, I also want to point out that during this uh, promo, uh, so they mentioned that the, this iteration of the NWO has been together for exactly one month and they're already <laughs> dissension. Yeah. And uh, in addition to wearing a Hitman's hockey t-shirt, Brett is also wearing a Wu-Tang Clan hat. <laughs> He's got to get that street cred, you know? It's like, well, it's like Nash wearing FUBU, you know? Come on, these <laughs> guys, uh, I think uh, Brett was uh, getting dressed by Kevin Nash. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we have basically a little bit of a pre-tape or something that was supposed to be on Nitro but was cut because it was too intense to air unedited. And that is a brawl between Fit Finley and Brian Snuggs. Um, during that fight, uh, Norman Smiley shows up and Mang shows up and Mang extends a handshake to Norman Smiley. But before we can figure out what this all meant, we immediately show that we're going right to the outdoor hardcore match between Norman Smiley and Brian Snuggs. Uh, at one point, Snuggs throws an $800 monitor at Norman Smiley, which is just basically like a 20-inch CRT TV. Uh, kids, ask your parents. Well, back uh, then, those things were expensive. Uh, this I thought I just thought it was funny that like they made a big deal that that, that monitor was worth $800. And I'm like, the 64-inch flat-screen TV that my kid has in his room, I think, was $300. <laughs> yeah. Even that in 2000, like, I sold TVs in 2000. That TV wasn't $800. That was maybe $300. But uh, Smiley ends up getting hit by a car. Uh, credit him for sacrificing his body in front of that rocket. And uh, Snugs hits Smiley with a snow shovel and wins the hardcore title and, like, doesn't even have his hand raised before we're going right back to something else. Right, and this is a setup at the pay-per-view for the hardcore title, the For the Hard Way match of Fit Finley, uh, Brian Snugs, Norman Smiley, and uh, Meng. Keep that in mind, Meng is competing on the WCW pay-per-view for the hardcore title. Yeah. Um, so the NWO is looking for Bret Hart, uh, and there's a baseball bat standoff. They're all carrying around baseball bats. So uh, just a lot of that through line that we'll get to more in a minute. In a minute. Uh, we go down to the ring. The Revolution comes out. This is franchise Shane Douglas, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Asia. They all cut a promo about like who is the Revolution's mystery partner. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're all just like kind of taking shots at Asia and she needs to know her role, settle down, you know, be a good woman, all that stuff. And they all just all kind of take shots at her while she stands there looking confused and angry. Right. So it's a six man tag at the pay-per-view of the revolution. Um, Benoit, or I'm sorry, Benoit, Malenko, Saturn and a mystery partner. They're teasing that it might be Shane Douglas or it might not be Shane Douglas. If you call the hotline or go on the internet, you might find out. Mm. Um, taking on what's left of the filthy animals, which sounds like it's only Conan and Billy Kidman, right? Yeah. Because Ray is hurt and Juventud Guerrera is a backstage interviewer at this point. So why not just make it a tag match instead of like not knowing who the third person for the filthy animals would be and teasing who a mystery partner for the revolution is going to be, right? Mm. Don't worry. 
Russo getting taken out of power will fix all of this at the pay-per-view, right? <laughs> and yeah. you also mentioned that all three members of the revolution for no real good reason. Actually, the reason they do this is, is because Asia last or the, the previous night on Nitro went down to challenge Oklahoma and that made them all upset for reasons. So it gave them all a chance to call her a bitch. Yeah. And also during the promo for no reason whatsoever, Shane Douglas is like, oh, and don't don't think we forgot about you, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. OK, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't know. So is yeah. it going to be is is like Hacksaw? Is that their way of trying to insert like Hacksaw was going to be the extra person with the filthy animals? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And if I didn't think Hacksaw Jim Duggan was worth pushing in like 1987, I certainly don't think he's worth pushing in 2000. Right now, I have to interrupt here because I'm guessing that you watched the version on the cock, right? I, you know, I, I jumped on the cock this week. I'm sorry. All right. So I have my old VHS rips that I have of this. Yeah. Um, and I was looking for it online because I would have absolutely played it because here in the commercial break, they played a, a, a commercial for a new T-shirt, a WCW T-shirt. OK. It, it was for Sting. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was called the Sting Attitude T-shirt. OK. In 2000, <laughs> during the WWF Attitude Era, they're hyping Sting's Attitude T-shirt. Yeah, it, it's like the the bit on How I Met Your Mother, how the 80s didn't reach Canada until the late 90s. Yeah. You know, Attitude Era didn't reach WCW until 2000. Yes. <laughs> All right, so the NWO is dragging Bret Hart down the hall, kind of unconscious. And the old age outlaws, who have also just been kind of like having little segments between commercials uh they're backstage watching on like a, a eight inch monitor uh so nobody was actually able to see anything on there uh and they debate whether or not they should help brett uh funk says that uh brett deserved it and he's kind of like saying nah stand down okay so it wasn't until this moment where i realized i'm like oh it's all a swerve and terry funk knows it yeah he's he's too smart for this you know he he's the Funker. Through. He's Terry Funk. He's the smartest wrestler alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, me and Gene Okerlund backstage with Tank Abbott, uh, trying to interview him, attacked by Jerry Flynn. Uh, they're fighting on like an archaeological archaeological dig <laughs> that's somehow going on in like the arena, uh, like big piles of dirt. And then the cops show up, and that fucking snitch Gene immediately like is like Flynn started it. Flynn started it. So uh, <laughs> Mean Gene's a snitch. <laughs> I have that in my notes as well. I'm like Mean Gene's a snitch. Um, but they set up for the pay per view the Jerry Flynn versus Tank Abbott shoot fighting rules match nice <laughs> shoot fighting yep so next we have medusa with nitro girl spice so in my notes originally i just had question marks and then exclamation point because you know she's hot uh because they didn't identify it as spice until like at the very end of the match so but medusa comes out she's gonna have her evening gown match against oklahoma uh you know this match is blah 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 but joe during this match, Miss mm -hmm. Hancock, Miss Hancock comes out to evaluate the match. Uh, she's from standards and practices, making sure everything is going good, making sure everything fits within the rules. And Joe, oh, she doesn't stay out long enough. But for the time that she's out there, it made this hour and 25 minute presentation. <laughs> uh, it made it all worth it, man. Like, geez, 
she's just the best. But uh, Miss Hancock leaves, and then we go back to the ring. Oklahoma has barbecue sauce taped to his inner thigh, but like he's constantly struggling to remove it, like it's super glued. Um, eventually, Medusa rips Oklahoma's dress off, gets the win, but then Oklahoma hits her in the head with the bottle of sauce, and then rips her dress off and pours it all over her chest. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I miss Miss Hancock at this point. It was, it was, it was a big step down. I, I, I understand some people felt it would have been a be- better presentation if maybe it was a Memphis style or a Alabama style white barbecue sauce. But anyway, <laughs> let's not let's not go there. So just to kind of fill in the gaps in a lot of this stuff. So Spice comes out with Medusa here because the storyline that was going on was, as you're aware, uh, uh, Medusa is the uh, producer weight champion. She had defeated Evan Courageous for it. She had been leading Evan Courageous on that she was romantically interested in her. And then at Starcade a month earlier, it was revealed that Medusa was actually romantically involved with Spice. Oh, see, that that that's quality Russo booking. You should have led with that. <laughs> now, also, when Miss Hancock comes out, it's during that segment where she's having her little back and forth with Oklahoma, where commentary tells us that she has been fining people left and right for various infractions on TV, specifically the Varsity Club, which was Kevin Sullivan, Rick Steiner, and Mike Rotundo, with Leia Meow, who you would know better as Kimono Wanalea. Do you mm. remember their bit during this time, Adam? I, I know all the parties involved, but I don't know the situation now. So Kevin Sullivan, old, Rick Steiner, old, Mike Rotundo, old, would come out on Nitro and wrestle matches while uh, Kimono Wanalea, Leia Meow, would be dressed as a cheerleader jumping on a trampoline at ringside during their match. I'm going to have to research this further. <laughs> okay. So she fined the Varsity Club $10,000 for Leia Meow's actions, and that's why they've been off TV for protest of the fine for that. Not because they're scrambling to figure out what the fuck to do with the pay-per-view, and Kevin Sullivan's about to be reinstalled as Booker over Vince Russo. Gotcha. Um, but again, I just want to mention, uh, thank God for Miss Hancock, man. <laughs> I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to struggle to continue. Um, there's apparently like a barrel fire going on outside the arena because WCW, uh, the NWO mocking Bret Hart. They throw uh, Bret's tights into the fire. Uh, it's okay. He's not going to need them again, really. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the same thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then backstage, we have Mean Gene uh, being a perv for the first of two times tonight, and he's interviewing Medusa. Medusa didn't even bother to like cover herself up or clean the uh, the barbecue sauce off of her. Uh, she cuts a, quote, promo, unquote, uh, and Gene basically offers, in order to make her feel more comfortable, he's going to – he offered to disrobe as well. Yeah, I got nothing to say about this. Yeah. Uh, so, Joe, we go back to the ring, and the lights go out. The lights go out. Lights come back on. And it's midnight is in the ring. Uh, She's getting ready for her three-way dance. And it always feels weird to me, like unsettling, if you will, to have WCW announcers say the word three-way dance. Like it's like old people trying to sound cool. Right. Like, uh, come on. It's like even like WWE at this time was just like, oh, it's like a three-way match or something like that. They never say three-way dance. But anyways, midnight's in the ring. 
Booker T's getting ready to come out. Stevie Ray hits him with a chair backstage. So now the uh, the announcers are basically saying, well, suddenly it's just a one-on-one match. Uh, Stevie is squashing Midnight until Booker finally recovers. Stevie Ray gets counted out. Uh, they kept mentioning, like, hammering during the early parts of this match that no matter what, there must be a winner. And then Stevie Ray gets counted out, grabs the mic and says, well, there's still got to be a winner. So it's now just Booker T versus Midnight. Uh, they then have a slow motion match for a few minutes until Stevie hits Booker with the slapjack. He's knocked out and uh, Midnight pulls the unconscious Booker T's arm across her for the pin and Booker T wins. Right. So this triple threat match starts with only two people in the ring. People can be eliminated by count out. Yeah. And Stevie Ray, as terribly as, as he is, is maybe the most unlikable person in all of WCW at this point. So I have to give him some sort of points for that. And, like, they were really trying. But, like, this was not helping Booker in any way, shape, or form get to that next level, which he really needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, it was not a good segment. <laughs> no. Um, backstage, NWO threatening to give Bret Hart a haircut. Spoiler, eventually he does. Uh, well, I guess get a haircut, but whatever. Um, now we find that uh, Tank Abbott is in a holding cell, and the cops throw Flynn in there with them, and obviously they start fighting again because cops are dumb who don't care about the welfare of their prisoners. <laughs> you know, so they're both thrown in the same cell. Uh, yeah, probably nothing else again about that, right? Nope. Yeah. Uh, next, we get a backstage interview with Chris Champagne Canyon. Uh, I did not know that this gimmick was a thing. Like, I completely missed this, but he's got, uh, like, a silver version of the WCW world title, uh, a couple ladies, and is that the same manager that was, like, with uh, Harlem Heat 2000? Who? That's the same manager who will be with Harlem Heat. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the former Clarence Mason from World Wrestling Entertainment. Yes. Gotcha. So Chris Canyon is basically, he's the original Hollywood megastar, like million-dollar megastar. He's got some ladies with him. And Joe, I just want to say, like, when we were talking about Nitro, I was complaining that all of Scott Steiner's prostitutes looked like they were in their 40s. Wait a minute. No, you were like, okay, all of his lady friends that, like, the NWO bought for him uh, or, or provided to, like, help celebrate his birthday i was like they all look like they're in their 40s and you're like no that's what like attractive women looked like in 2000 and i said doesn't seem right to me well chris <laughs> canyon a man who knows a thing or two about the ladies if you wait will. a minute he <laughs> he found some actual good looking women in 2000 well i think that was a different quality of women in erie pennsylvania in 2000 i think that's all that was all right uh, so again, Nash backstage. This time, he's actually legitimately cutting Brett Hare's head, uh, cr- cutting his hair. Uh, we know that because they show it all completely in frame, and we see the scissors cutting the hair. And it's not at all Brett off camera as like Nash just pulls up like black yarn. Um, Larry Zabisco wants, uh, he, you know, he's talking to the old age outlaws. He wants uh, maybe Brett should join them, which I think is appropriate. Uh, and and uh, Paul Orndorff just wants to get a bowl of soup, because uh, of course. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the Paul Orndorff line about the bowl of soup was good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Canyon comes out. Uh, basically, they're going to have a champagne on a champagne bottle on a pole match against Bam Bam Bigelow. 
And uh, commentary shows some footage and makes a, and makes it a point to bring up the uh, New Jersey Triad, which I have fond memories of with WCW. Uh, but of course, this uh, the Triad has dissolved. Uh, the bottle and the bucket can be used as a weapon, but it's not necessarily not necessary to get them to like end the match. It's kind of like the coal miners on a glo- glove pole match, whatever. Uh, it's just if you get it, you can use it to your advantage. Uh, the ladies are, you know, distracting. Bam Bam forces a kiss on one of them because that was wrestling back in the day. Cannon hits Bam Bam with the belt for the two counts. Eventually, Cannon gets the bottle. Bam Bam takes it away and discards it. He wins with greetings from Asbury Park. And then it's Sting! Sting comes out, but it's actually Lex Luger in Sting makeup and attire. And then the lights go out! The lights go out! And there's a crow on the top rope, Joe. And Lex is scared and runs away because Sting lore. And then after all that's done, Canyon hits Bam Bam with the champagne bottle and leaves. So Bam Bam gets the win, but Canyon comes out on top. This was probably the best match on the show. Yeah. Um, Canyon was really awesome. Um, and Bam Bam, while washed, could still kind of sort of go. Yeah. Um, Luger in the full crow sting getup will never not be hilarious to me. <laughs> I want a figure of that. That'd be funny. <laughs> oh my god! And the announcers burying Lex that he doesn't know how to put on the sh- the Scorpion Deathlock was tremendous as well. I feel like the first time he gave any thought to how to put on a Scorpion like <laughs> Deathlock was when he was doing it because you could see <laughs> you could see that he was confused. Like you should have like at least like mimed it out backstage. Tried before. it once. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I could do this backstage, you know? Exactly. Plus, you're doing it on Bam Bam, whose legs are thicker and probably less flexible than your average person. It's not sure. Like, you know, it's a little bit harder to do. So, yeah, this should have been practiced at least once. And we did get a recap video of their feud before this match. So that was yeah. also. Yeah. that, Like I said, that was cool. Because, okay, I like the New Jersey triad. Um, so, speaking of Mean Gene being a perv. We get a, a recap of the DDP Buff Bagwell Kimberly stuff, and then there's a backstage or like a like a pre-taped interview with Mean Gene and Kimberly. Uh, and I, I really feel like there's not enough "I'm gonna bang your wife" feuds in wrestling these days. That's something I think we need to bring back. Right. Uh, but like Gene is is really like attacking her with the questions, like going deep, like he's this hard hitting journalist, which is very not Mean Gene. Like Mean Gene's a guy that. Like, if you, as a heel, try to give him some guff, like, he'll fight back. But, you know, Kimberly is just, at this time, like, kind of like a demure, soft-spoken, not-starting-any-shit person. And Mean Gene's really going after. Uh, And he asks, like, why are you off of TV? DDP says that she's too wrapped up with people at work, and basically DDP decided that. Uh, How are things in the bedroom, Mean Gene asks, the fucking creep snitch. Uh, But it was just basically to allude that uh, things aren't going well with Kimberly and DDP, and that maybe there's something going on with Boff, but we're dancing around it. So uh, Gene asks Kimberly several times, why are you not being booked? Yeah. And I would say that Kimberly's acting in this segment should be the telltale sign as to why she's not booked. <laughs> Very nice to look at, can be hidden behind other people that can actually dance, but when it comes to carrying the emotional through line of a story or a segment, eh, maybe not the best. Yeah, well, I mean, you compare her to a lot of the people that are getting talking time in WCW at this time. She's in the 
She's at the 50, like the, somewhere in the middle. She's not at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's not at the bottom. <laughs> uh, another backstage thing. Uh, basically, Hart, uh, Bret Hart is like still knocked out. The NWO is taunting him. Nash is getting his ribs taped, getting ready for the match. Uh, we get a promo with uh, with Chris Benoit and Sid, and Sid whispers his entire promo. You know, like yeah, if you go, Sid's style, man. Yeah, like if you showed that promo of like Benoit and Sid to like a random person and asked which one of these two people later got framed for a double murder, most likely they'd say Sid. Like wait Sid a minute, looks more like this. <laughs> Now, first of all, I have that in my notes as well, <laughs> that if you showed these two men together and said which one of these people killed their family and then themselves, um, it might take some him and Han, but I think most people would come to Sid. Um, again, hindsight being twenty twenty, Benoit cutting a promo about pain and suffering is very distressing. Very distressing. Um, Sid in his whisper promo voice saying insider turns like jabroni was very odd. Yeah. And don't forget, Adam, this Sunday at the pay-per-view, it's Double J versus Chris Benoit in the Triple Threat Theater match. A match that will definitely happen at the pay-per-view this Sunday. I look forward to it. I hope that I hope they do not uh, give any kind of false advertising because that would really be disappointing. It's not as though they told us on Nitro that Jeff Jarrett has a concussion and probably won't be able to compete at the pay-per-view, even though he's competing in a match tonight. <laughs> and they're hyping up the match for the pay-per-view this Sunday. Yeah. WCW, everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so we c- we go out to the main event, Sid and Benoit versus Jeff Jarrett and Kevin Nash. Lots of brawling, cheating in front of the ref. I lost a lot of interest by this point. I was watching the clock. Uh, Benoit does a flying headbutt, uh, but thanks to Nash kind of like giving him an extra shove, he misses the headbutt and like headbutts Jarrett's U.S. title belt. Uh, hopefully that head injury won't have long-term consequences. And the NWO wins the match. And good night, everybody. The show's over. Oh, wait, there's still more. Right, so the match is fine, whatever. Like, these are our principles that are going to be in two of the three main event matches at the pay-per-view this weekend. Um, But, of course, um, yeah, so this match was fine. But Double J getting a cleanish pinfall over Benoit, um, you know, it's a pretty big deal going to the pay-per-view. That's kind of like old-school booking, you know? Yep. And, I mean, realistically, Jarrett didn't hit Benoit with the title. Benoit just missed. Right. You know? Um, so we go backstage and Scott Steiner is knocked out. The show isn't over yet. Uh, where's Bret Hart? We see Bret is staggering, uh, looking for his, like pulling out his car keys, getting ready to drive, like all in bad shape. So not a good example, Bret. Um, and you know what? He ain't going out like that. And he's got a giant shiner. He's got a, a, a welt on his forehead. He's got like a busted lip. Uh, his hair's walked, been cut. Yeah, his hair's all like disheveled. Uh, he walks past the the open dig site again, grabs a steel pipe, goes out to ringside or goes out to the ring, calls out the NWO. Nash and Jeff Jarrett both come out. They've got bats. They're getting ready to do. It's like a Mexican standoff. They're getting ready to square off. They're getting ready. They're getting ready. Somebody They're missed their ready. cue. Uh the, the old age outlaws music hits, then it stops. They're getting ready. 
They're getting ready. Cut to backstage. Terry Funk is lighting a branding iron. Arn Anderson's got a bucket. Uh, then they proceed to have a long walk out, you know, through the, the bowels of the arena. Eventually down the, the ramp, they come down to the ring and they chase off the NWO. So uh, luckily, luckily, if it wasn't for the quick thinking and quick reaction of the old age outlaws, uh, you know, Nash and Jeff Jarrett would have gotten the best of Brett. Funk grabs the mic. You know, he basically starts saying stuff about it's like the three of us against the three of you. And, you know, it was very confusing. And then Arn throws water in Bret Hart's face. And Joe, the bruises, they were all makeup and they instantly dissolved. Uh, Bret Hart was in cahoots with the NWO. It was a swerve, bro. And uh, basically the uh, the NWO fully reformed and united start fighting with the old age outlaws. They fight with Sid. Then like. Terry Funk's laid out and his foot is over the, the the burning like branding iron and like credit to the guy. He's just like, he doesn't even feel it. But uh, eventually there's like, oh no, the branding iron is on the ground. Who's going to get it? That's all the time we have for tonight, folks. Good night. And that's the end of the show. All right. Kind of a whimper of a way to end the show. Oh, and I forgot to mention during the main event tag match, they're really hyping up the triple threat theater match with Benoit and Double J. And Scott Hudson says, we have the potential to see three four-star matches this Sunday at the pay-per-view. <laughs> I mean, anything's possible, you know. Right. Now, again, it's going to be – and again, this we're building up, right? we got to watch all this stuff. This is the last fully booked um, Nitro – or the fully booked WCW by Russo. Now – Adam, obviously, we've been joking around, and this advertised pay-per-view is not going to go off as planned, right? What? Um, now, the final straw that gets Russo removed as Booker, okay? Mm. He comes to the pay-per-view with an idea to put the title on someone. And I will let you know it was someone who was booked on the show of Nitra, or Thunder, who was not in the main event's picture. Okay. Who does Russo pitch? To be the one to win the world title at the pay-per-view that causes the executives at WCW to say, okay, we've seen enough, you're done. All right, so stupid question, but Sid is the world champ at this point, right? Sid is currently the world champion. Double J is the U.S. champion. Um, Oh, no, no, uh, Bret Hart's the world champion. He's taking on Sid for the title. Yes, yes. Okay, I I feel like, yeah, we watched something from slightly in the future where Sid had felt. Okay, that's what's got me confused. Uh Somebody to beat Brett for the world title that was no, okay. No, no, no. I didn't say somebody to beat Brett for the world oh, title. All right, somebody, I said to, win somebody to win the world title the pay-per-view because this is Brett's last wrestling. I'm spoiling yeah, yeah. it. Brett's last match was the Nitro uh against Kevin Nash. He does not have any physicality in a in a match for the rest of it until the, the match at WrestleMania against Vince. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh is it something stupid like Tank Abbott? Yes, it is Tank Abbott. <laughs> so that's Russo's big idea is, bro, he's a shooter. He's a credible this and blah, blah, blah. And if you've the two weeks that we've seen of what Tank Abbott has to offer. Yeah. <laughs> when Russo presents this idea for Tank Abbott to be the world champion, they send Russo home. <laughs> They're like, that's a litmus test that you can't book. <laughs> right. You failed. Yeah. You failed. <laughs> well, Joe. Uh, obviously, no show homework this weekend because, according to Wikipedia, there's a pay-per-view this weekend. <gasps> there is. It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kofi Kingston doing his thing. 
be Soho. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? I feel like it's been forever since we've had a Does Joe Know the Card. Has it been a long time since there was a pay-per-view? It has been because both um, AEW and World Wrestling Entertainment had pay-per-views in November. Uh, and there was no December pay-per-view for WWE. And we're almost at the end of January. So, yeah, it's like yep. two months. Jesus. Yep. Well, Joe, according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling information and news, the Royal Rumble is this Saturday. And Saturday Joe, pay-per-view. What's that? Saturday pay-per-view. I know. Those are the best kind. And, Joe, there are five announced matches <laughs> on the Royal Rumble. Do you know the card? I do. This is a layup. This is an easy one, right? Yeah. We got the men's rumble match. We got the women's rumble match. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, Bianca Belair defending the Raw women's title against Alexa Bliss. Hell yeah. And her 68 pounds of makeup, allegedly. <laughs> that was like a bit. That was her criticizing like people saying that she wears too much makeup. So mm. she did the TikTok video where she like splattered it on like Mimi on the Drew Carey show. Gotcha. Uh, we have Roman Reigns defending the uh, the universal, like the, the titles. He has both yep. belts, whatever, against Kevin Owens. Yep. And in the main event, the show closer. <laughs> thank you, Mountain Dew Pitch Black, for sponsoring the first ever Pitch Black match, which still here we are two days before the show, and no one knows exactly what the match is. Uh, Bray Wyatt, Uncle Howdy, The Fiend, The Puppets, roll them all up because it don't matter. <laughs> Because they're taking on the multi-million dollar megastar, L.A. Knight. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> now, Joe, when the show ends and L.A. Knight is standing triumphant, right. uh, instead of dropping confetti, are they just going to drop bottles of Mountain Dew Pitch Black onto I, like the, the ring? I That would be unhealthy. I think it's going to be like the end of the WCW uh, like New Blood bloodbaths, where they're just going to dump actual... <laughs> Mountain Dew pitch black on the crowd. Oh, okay. How you know, maybe this is like WWE's take on the Mimosa Mayhem match. Maybe there's gonna be vats of Mountain Dew pitch black at ringside and the loser is who's thrown into the vat of it. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Cause I'm sure in that much quantity that shit's toxic, but I'm sure it is. Uh before we get into what a lot of people I'm sure are waiting for us to talk about, do you have any predictions other than obviously LA Knight winning in the squisher? L.A. Knight winning a squisher, uh, Roman retaining. Yep. Um, I could see Alexa winning through spookiness. I could see her winning, but like, I, I say not spookiness. Like, if you just show Uncle Howdy somewhere and Bianca's distracted, that's on her for being easily distracted. I don't think that's a spooky Alexa thing. Uh, I think we're just getting to the part where the next evolution of Alexa Bliss's character is that she's just a goddamn badass. Right. So, yeah, I can see her winning. Um, but for re- yeah, oh, my God. Um, but for real Z, Cody's winning the Rumble, the men's Rumble. Yeah. The women's Rumble, the fact that on TV so far they've announced seven women for the Rumble. <laughs> It really is anyone's ball game, but I will take I will make this wild prediction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Becky Lynch is going to win the Royal Rumble. I can see that, uh, and like you said, there's just there's 
it's hard to know because you don't know the field and I'm sure you're going to get like your, your Kelly Kelly's and your, uh, you know, just the standard people who show up in all these, like here's Molly Holly, you know, maybe here's a bunch of NXT women. Yeah. And like, here's Mickey James maybe cause she was last year, the forbidden door, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe Chelsea, you know, poor Chelsea. I, you know what? That's not a bad. So because broski is going to be the men's rumble, I wouldn't doubt it if uh, Chelsea's in the women's rumble. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I, if Becky wins, like, I, I love Becky, but it's it really is just the same, like, four or five women at the top sustained. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, Bailey. It's, 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 I, I don't even want to say Liv because she's kind of been thrown down the card again, but like Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, like I'd like to see them mix it up. And as much of a shill for Alexa Bliss as I am, she hasn't had a, a legitimate run at the top since well before the pandemic, like a couple years because uh, Ronda Rousey's the one that gave her the, the concussion. And she's never had a, t- a run at the top since. And that was when Ronda first debuted. So I think she deserves a spot there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't see, I was about to say Vince, but I don't see the, the WWE higher ups, uh, putting a rocket on Chelsea that quickly because really the national audience might not know who she is, but I don't know. I can see Broski wins the men's Chelsea wins the women's somehow Brian Myers gets out of that stupid impact deal. He signed and shows up. We get the major players. They take out Roman reigns. We have the new bloodline. I'm happy for it. So it'd have to be a third man with the major players. So it'd be Brian Broski and Dylan (laughs) against Roman and the Usos at like whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I know we were messaged right before we were getting ready to record here that in the next GCW show it's Broski versus Homicide. Oh, I actually didn't. I don't look at my phone. We do podcast show. Let's okay. see. I didn't see. It was that. right before we started. Give me a break. Oh, I was um, doing show prep. <laughs> and as funny as a ma- of a match as that would be, I think Roman versus Broski would be equally as funny <laughs> with Broski working the way that he's been working lately. Um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he would be able to fall back into the world wrestling entertainment style, or would he just do the chicken, chicken <laughs> stuff to Roman, which I would much rather see. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll find out. Uh, but speaking of the Royal Rumble, Joe, I think it's time that we go and get to the bottom of this Royal Rumble opportunity because all the spots are filled, Joe. That's right. It's time. Um, so- Right. All the spots are filled. And the way that we're going to do it uh, this year is, you know, just as everyone entered, everyone sent Adam their money. um, I'm just going to do your poll for the men and the women's here at the same time. I have two John Cena hats here that I'm pulling them. And I actually have handwritten numbers because that's how I do it. Yeah. And before you start with that, I just want to say, obviously, uh, while people have tried to cast dispersions to my integrity, Many, many times, whether it be the gender neutral monarch or whatever, which uh, we'll get to shortly. Yes, you are beyond repro- reproach. So people trust you. So that's why you're handling the number drawing. Right. And I, I we didn't talk about this, but I feel like it's worth mentioning just in case if for some reason the rumble ends where like two people are like the finalists like, oh, you know, whose feet? touch the mat first you know tune into raw to find out or these final two people were in the ring and then uncle howdy showed up and we had to go off the air if some reason the show ends 
where there's kind of a question. Which a one disputed of these finish. A disputed what, finish. Yeah, there's a disputed finish, and the show ends with two people are the co-winners, or three people, or there's this. It's getting split. You know, okay. like if, if this is a Brett and British Bulldog thing, where Brett and Lex like, okay, Luger. Oh, well, that's what it was. Brett and Lex Luger. I'm sorry. Brett and Luger. Uh, wrong allied power guy. <laughs> uh, you know, Brett and Lex Luger thing. The show goes off the air. Whoever had Brett gets half. Whoever had Lex Luger gets half. Is that All fair? Right. Right. Just because I don't want to be like, oh, well, then they had a match on Raw to decide who, you know, gets the shot at the, you know, Roman right. Reigns, whatever. It's just however as, the show ends, that's how we're going to pay it. As out. Jack Tunney would say, how it goes down in the record books, right? Yes. Like in 97, where Austin won the Royal Rumble by cheating, even though he was eliminated, and they ended up doing the final four match at the In Your House pay-per-view to see who would actually get the title shot at WrestleMania. It still goes down to the record books that Austin won the 1997 Royal Rumble. Exactly. All right, so I just want to be clear, just in case. I don't expect there to be any shenanigans, but you never know. Right. So... Uh, I obviously was handling the collection on this, and uh, thank you, everybody, for for doing everything properly. Everybody sent friends and family no notes, so good on them. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want my PayPal getting shut down. Again. I'm sorry, go ahead. Again. Yeah, again. And as uh, you were alluding to, we're going to draw these in the order of which I filled the, the rumbles. Uh, right. So if you might, maybe if you got back to me and asked for seconds, uh, kind of stand by, we'll get to you in a second. So this yes. is the order that they were filled. So starting up, number one, the first person to, to, to talk to me about getting a spot, and that's me. All right. So Adam, yes. in the men's rumble, your first number is number 27. Ooh, that is good. That's a good number. I like it. In the women's rumble, your number is 20. Oh, I like that, too. I like it. All right. All right. All right. So next up, ever the opportunist, we have Marcus. All right. So if we have a bulk like this. Yeah. So I'm going to do like. Yeah, I'm going to do three men's and three women's. Right. Okay, I'm writing them down as well. But go ahead. Okay. So in the men's rumble, Mr. Marcus's numbers are two. Okay. 15 and 26. 2, 15, and 26. 26 is good. Didn't he fucking fuck me last year with number two? I think he did fucking fuck you with number two last year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With that whole edge and, like, Orton switcheroo. Anyways, uh, so yes, Marcus, men's, 2, 15, 26. And what about for the women's? Women's, he has 6, 21, and 23. Okay. All right. So next up, friend of the show, Andy Hedder. He has one in each. All right. In the men's rumble, he has number 13. Hopefully that's a lucky pick for you. That's probably Broski's number. Because Broski's the number 13 overall wrestler in the world. Is that that what he was, 13? Yeah, the, the PWI 500. And in the women's, he's got number 10. All right, I don't, I don't I don't like his chances on the women's. They don't have a lot of iron women in these, but uh, good luck, Andy. All right, next up, Ben at El Pasco, Texas on Twitter. Yes. All right, so in the men's rumble, Ben has number 20. Okay. And in the women's rumble, he's got number 26. 26. All right, Joe, I hope I trust you on this. You are up next for two picks. Okay. 
Now, my piece of paper just says winner. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you um, should just write down L.A. Knight, you know? <laughs> no. For the men's, I've got number 11 and number 24. I don't like either of those. 24 is not bad. And then in the women's, I've got number 9 and number 29. Ooh, see, 29 is not bad. I like 29 is not bad. All right. Next up for three each, we have Ronald Two Legs. Yes, Mr. Pat. Uh, giving Mr. Marcus a run for his money. Yep. So, Pat's numbers for the men's are number three, number 18, and number 25. Three, 18, and 25 for the men's and for the women's. For the women's, he's got 25 there as well. Okay. Five. Okay. And 11. 25, 5, and 11 for the women's for Ronald Two Legs. All right, next up we have my co-host from Weekly Porches's. We have Brett. Okay. He has Brett, two. Two in yes. the men's, two in the women's. Sorry. His two for the men's are 10 and 16. Okay, 10 and 16. His two for the women's are 4 and 22. Okay. So next up, his co-host from We Need Wrestling, DJ with one. Now, I will just say this. It's DJ and Michelle. Michelle doesn't give a shit, so I'm going to do these two picks together. Oh, you're ruining my bet, but go ahead. You know what? No, I'm not. It has to be separate. You're right. It has to be separate. Yeah, because then we know who won and who's the bigger wrestling fan. So DJ with one each. All right. So DJ for the men is 22. 22. And then for for the the women's, two. Okay. And now one of the biggest wrestling fans in all of the soon-to-be-named network, Michelle, DJ's wife. So she has one in each. In the men, she's got number seven. And in the women, she's got number 27. All right. Next up from Final Wrestling Place, Mr. Tim with one in each. All right. It's Mr. Tim. Oh, boy. You're going to have an issue here. In the men's? He's got number one. Ooh. Well, if they, if Cody goes <laughs> bell to bell on that, you know? And then in the women's, he's got number 16. All right, Tim. Number one and number 16. All right. So next up, with two picks in each, we have Dan uh, at HGDIMN on Twitter. Yes, Dan. Longtime listener. Longtime friend. Yep. Good guy. So his two picks for the men. Are number four and number 12. Four, number 12. And then for the women? For the women's, number 17 and number 24. 24. All right. Next up with one pick in each, somebody who seems to win a lot of our opportunities, Daniel Silver- Silverthorne. All right. In the men's, Daniel has number nine. Okay. And in the women's, Daniel has number 28. Okay, 28's a good pick in the women's. I like it. All right, next up, with one pick in each, Maddie Treats. Maddie Treats is in Texas as we speak, enjoying all the Royal Rumble festivities. I hope he's going to the uh, Talk and Taker one-man show as well as part of his entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the men's, he's got number eight. And in the women's, he's got number three. All right. Next up, uh, somebody who might give Michelle a run for her money with wrestling fandom. With a pick in each one, we have your Longbox Heroes co-host, Todd. 
Okay, in the men's, he's got number five. Okay. And in the women's, he's got number eight. All right, easy money, Todd. See you later to that. <laughs> Next up, with one in each, friend of the show and our LVAC traveling buddy, Dave Holden, has uh, one in each. All right. In the men's, he's got number 19. And in the women's, he's got number 18. All right. All right, next up we have Derek. He's the gentleman who does a lot of the more complicated photoshops, and he also handles the gender-neutral monarch brackets. So Derek has one in each. All right, so Derek in the men's has number 19, and in the women's he has number 14. 19 and 14. All right, so after Derek we have virtual pros. Okay, and I think that's just Mike. I don't think Al listens to the show. Okay, in the men's, he's got number 23, and in the women's, he's got number one. Oh, all right. Next up, also, I'm just going to say everybody has something in both of them, obviously, but with one pick in each, the other JB. Okay. All right, in the men's, uh, other JB has number 30. Oh, and in the women's, he's got number 13. Other uh, JB 13. All right. Next up with one each, Stefani. Okay. In the men's, Stefani has number six. And in the women's, Stefani has number 19. All right. Next up with one each, this is a joint entry from Final Wrestling Place. Nah, I don't know about that. I'm gonna, that's going to be for the two of them to split, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. So in the men's, they got number 21. And in the women's, they got number 15. All right. Coming back for second helpings, the man who would have bought pretty much half the field if I let him, Ronald Two Legs with two more in each. Okay. So in the men's, look at this. He's got, so listen to this, how this works out. In the men's, he's got 28 and 29. Oh, shit. And in the women's, he's got number seven and number 30. Oh, that's it. This is fixed. <laughs> oh, man, you're lucky, man. I, well, if you listen to last week's podcast, he, he said, hook him up with some good numbers. And I said, hook me up with a Kenny Pickett rookie card. So uh, we did our part. Uh, right. And lastly, finishing it out, me... With one more in each. In the men's, your last pick is number 17. And in the women's, your last pick is number 12. Not as good as Ronald Two Legs run. We just went on there. But, uh, yeah. All right. So I will uh, I will be nice and I will tweet out some timestamps where you can go ahead and listen to this. I'm not going to message all these people. That's a lot of work. <laughs> I did it every year. But I'll say this. I have written down the timestamps. For when we begin talking about this, and I'll in, I'll be sure to include it in the show notes. How about that yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think a lot of people don't know what show notes are, so I'll, Jesus I'll put a tweet. Christ! Out. No, I don't mean that as a knock, but like people don't go to websites. That's an old thing. When you when you look at the goddamn like when you pull up the oh, file, I do. I mean, I look, but I'm also old. You know, like a lot of these people aren't as old as us, Joe. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, appeal to the TikTok generation, you know? Yeah. You do that, and I'll stay over here. How about that? 
that's fine. But Joe, enough of this nonsense. Let's talk about something that people really want to hear about. Oh, different nonsense. <laughs> The gender neutral monarch of at odds wrestling. That's right, Joe. The semifinals of the gender neutral monarch tournament are finally behind us, and we have a final pairing. But first, over on the right side of the bracket, with 57% of the votes, Ziggy Heim defeats Wes Barkley. Uh, a little bit of an upset, I'd say. Uh, Ziggy, definitely the... Uh, I've counted her out at every opportunity. Ooh, there's that word again. And <laughs> yeah. uh, sadly, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wes really wanted it. He tweeted out a bunch of times that he feels that if he doesn't win this thing, it's rigged. And uh, he's not going to win it this year. So I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Wes has got a beef with me now all of a sudden. But we'll see. Hopefully not. And on the other side of the bracket, also with 57% of the vote, the board defeats CPA. Uh, no surprise. When left to his own devices, nobody <laughs> throwing roadblocks in front of him. It's almost as though the boar is an unstoppable juggernaut. I don't know. Again, I don't know what roadblocks you're talking about. Uh, again, I, I just it's about time the boar makes it to the to the, like the the finals. Let's see if uh, let's see if he's going to be like the Kansas City Chiefs and not get it done, or if he's going to win the whole thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, so our finals, Joe, is the Boar against Ziggy. Uh, not the finals I would have expected. Um, you know, I really thought the finals was going to be uh, different. I thought it was going to be the Boar <laughs> taking on old Slapnuts, you know? Um, but I think Slapnuts would have been the only one that would have stood a chance against the Boar. I think the Boar would have voted for Double J. <laughs> given the opportunity Ooh, there's that word again but in all seriousness uh i will say that the board does have a tough row ahead of him ziggy has proven to be no slouch uh but my one account and i have been um holding to this uh for the entirety of the tournament except for one um <laughs> i only vote one time for each uh matchup yeah. and uh, my vote is uh firmly in the camp of our good friend the boar yeah um i i did vote from uh my main account and also from the porch talk account um but when it came to boar versus cpa i did throw them both a vote you know one in each you know as i, I just felt like uh on one hand i've known the boar forever but on the other hand the boar has constantly accused me of conspiring against him so i felt like i had to throw a vote cpa's way um mm -hmm. but obviously now it's the boar against ziggy uh, the boar is a jam up guy, but Ziggy let me pet her dog once. So again, I'm very torn. Uh, it should be an interesting final. And, uh, tomorrow, January 27th, sometime around four, maybe five, <laughs> whenever Adam rolls out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I'm going to wake up around like, we'll see, I'm going to set my alarm for 11. Then I hit snooze a couple times. I usually wake up around 1130, go have a smoke, have a couple cups of coffee, check social media. So like when the grogginess wears off around three o'clock, I'll, I'll, I'll start writing up the tweet. But uh, uh, yeah, so I'll post that and the poll will go for a little bit more than six days. It should end at, you know, five o'clock ish the next time we record. And uh, I think this is big. This is uh, two people that were invested in this and uh, two people that have big social media followings. And uh, I like this. And I'm glad that Jeff Jarrett got squashed out in the first round. This has all come to plan. I like it. Mm. (laughs) And I should ask you a question. You know how like in like Olympics or something like that when you have – the like the number one seed and the number two seed are fighting for like the gold medal and like mm-hmm. the silver medal, and then they have the people that were like third and fourth place. Should they like they they'll fight for the bronze? Should I just put up a poll for like West against CPA just to see who would have finished third or just no? Skip? Nah, all right. I just you, you, to, if 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 you had done it in previous years, yeah, that's the reason to add more work for yourself now. Oh, it's a 10-second tweet, but yet the point that I never did it before, I was just kind of curious as to who would win in that one because, you know, they basically, they both put up 43% of the vote in the semifinals. So I was just curious, you know, because we have very evenly matched people. But I don't know. Let us know who you think would win in a in a match between West and CPA. I'm curious. Yeah, comment but, on the uh, show uh, finals poll, right? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the Borg and Ziggy starting tomorrow. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to see how it goes as well. Yep. All right. Voicemail time. Oh, yeah. Let's start it off with uh, Mr. Two Legs himself. Hey. Oh, hello. Yes. Um, uh, I'm just driving home from a wrestling show, and I just am on the highway, and I'm really hungry, and I saw a sign for a fast food restaurant. Hardee's. But it was Hardee's. Yes. I'd rather fucking... Eat nothing than stop at Hardee's. I just wanted to call and say that I would I would rather eat nothing than Hardee's. Mm-hmm. That sucks, Pat. Hardee's is delicious. I don't think I've ever eaten at Hardee's. Again, uh, we we only had that one that was up here like for about a year and a half pre-pandemic. Gotcha. Like I thought he said Arby's at first, and I almost threw up in my mouth. But yeah, Hardee's, I don't know. Now listen, I will stand by uh, Simpsons writer extraordinaire Bill Oakley and say... While he uh, uh, perpetrated that joke on the episode of The Simpsons to bury Arby's, Arby's is actually really good. Don't uh, poo-poo Arby's. When they had their, uh, like, their fish, not the fish sandwich, but they had, like, a fish basket that they were doing for a limited time, that was some good shit, man. Oh, that sounds disgusting. I don't know. John Stewart on The Daily Show told me for years to avoid Arby's, and I trust John. (laughs) Fast food's a lot better these days. Thank you for your call, Pat. (laughs) Yep. All right. Next up, other JB. Hey there, Joe and Adam. It's the other JB here. Um, calling a little bit earlier than usual this week, uh, mostly so that I remember to call in um, because my semester starts up again. Uh, again, thank you for uh, your most recent round of recommendations for uh, Team Malenko man- matches. Um, I think that uh, what you gave um, was a. I think it gave a pretty good um, encapsulation and trajectory of. Uh, Team uh, Malenko, especially as uh, the Iceman, uh, from the uh, Sting match all the way through uh, to the uh, cruiser rate, cruiser weight um, battle royal. Um, I ended up um, figuring out that that was um, Play Marie um, for '98 um, yes. for that battle royal. Um, always a good, always a sucker for 
um, you know, surprise a person um, in the guise of a already um, established uh, luchador. Always fun having those. I, you know, always fun when um, whatever the Poison Ranas was uh, for FTR. That was fun this past year. Anyways, um, I do like how you even um, accidentally, um, by putting in 98 uh, Fetch the Beach, um, there was the uh, Chris Jericho um, versus uh, Rey Mysterio uh, Jr. at the time there. That was a good match to watch, uh, especially with that uh, uh, sickening uh, Poison Rana off the uh, lifeguard stand. Um, Anyways, I guess that kind of rolls in. Um, I mostly know um, Rey Mysterio from his time in... uh, the WWE, WWF um, time period. I don't know much about him in um, WCW before, so if you've got any recommendations there, uh, I'll leave you leave you to it there. All right, thank you. All right, I like this uh, other JB. Thank you again for your call. Us making us give you recommendations for stuff, uh, yeah. especially on on the on the spot because I don't do research. You know, I don't screen the calls ahead of time. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impromptu show homework, extra credit. <laughs> So what do you got for a Rey Mysterio non WWE match or matches? Oh, dude! As soon as like, as soon as somebody asks for recommendations for like older wrestling, I I start like having the Homer Simpson music in my head. Mm. Uh, because I can be like, oh, go check out Rey Mysterio versus Hooventude in ECW, but I have no idea like what match that was. It's just the famous match where they're like brawling out in the crowd you know like that, I don't, I that don't, would have been february of 1996 but sure see exactly why the fuck are you asking me because <laughs> you're part of this show adam ah uh, there's certain voicemails that are for me there's certain voicemails that are for you and there's some that are for both of us joe <laughs> so, so yeah that one ecw match <laughs> that joe just said yeah if you look at any of the ray ecw singles matches there's the september 90 uh 95 one with psychosis uh, there's the rematch with Psychosis in November of 95, and then there's the two Hoovy matches in February of 96. Any of those are good, but he mentioned WCW, so WCW it is. Um, you have the uh, Halloween Havoc uh, 97 match with uh, Eddie Guerrero, where Ray is in like the full like purple bodysuit deal. Yeah. And it's Mask vs. Juicer Weight title. Um, then... You get into um, early 99. There's like March, April of 99, where there's a series of tag matches with uh, Raven and Saturn taking on Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman that are awesome. You're just saying that because Raven's in it. (laughs) Uh, Yes, but (laughs) at a time in 1999 where WCW was like having Sid feuding with uh, or Sid was the bodyguard of a gas to the gills, barely mobile macho man who was feuding with babyface Kevin Nash, world champion. WCW was in the dregs in the first half of 1999, and this was a shining light during that time. And they were really good, really innovative tag team matches that were going on. And it was actually like a three way feud with um, Saturn and Raven, Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio, and Benoit and Malenko. So like. It's just like a series of matches from like March to April of those three teams intermingling with each other. So like any of those from those pay-per-views or Nitros or Thunders. Okay. Well, other JB, watch those and get back to us next week. Yeah. 
Raven can work, baby. It's all it's not all about the, the storytelling and the haha, you know? <laughs> yeah. He just chooses not to most of the time. Yeah, he's, he's the boss. He doesn't have to. Yeah, Raven. Yeah, Raven. All right, next up, Jayhawk. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. It's Jayhawk. Uh, Adam, thank you very much for calling in the Indie Recommend Guide this week and leaving us your audition for Between the Sheets. Uh, I have sent that over to Bick, and I'm sure Bick will get back to you any moment now letting you know you're going to be replacing Chris Gellner. <laughs> you did a very nice job with that, actually, reading the 1995 WWF House Show Recall. That's fantastic. Uh, but Adam sending me those results on our podcast got me to thinking... If you guys can remember, what was your first live wrestling show, whether it be an independent wrestling, TV wrestling, or otherwise? Uh, mine was March 18th, 1986. I know I'm aging myself here. Warren, Ohio, Packer Music Hall. King Tonga, again, uh, uh, King Tonga over Iron Mike Sharp in the opener. George Wells over Steve Lombardi. Tony Atlas over Moondog Spot. <laughs> Hey, here's the funny thing, Jay over Hawk. Mr. I have to Fuji coming for Don Morocco. Uh, go ahead and hit pause on this for me, Joe. And King Tonga. See, we don't have to play through, but uh, let's uh, address this right now, and then maybe we can go back and see if he's doing a silly little bit, like a silly boy. But uh, your first wrestling show, Joe? Oh, uh, my first. So this is something I tweet out all the time, actually. I have it saved. Um, I'm not going to read down the whole card, but it was at the CYC in Scranton in May of 1986. The advertised main event was Nikolai Volkov versus Corporal Kirshner, but due to injury or whatever, instead we got Nikolai Volkov versus Pedro Morales. And somehow I'm still a wrestling fan. <laughs> my, uh, first w- my first show period was also at the CYC, but I feel like it had to be like... 90 or 91 i have no recollection of what happened plus i went to like every show they did from like 90 to maybe 95 and a lot of the stuff blurs together so i don't know who was on the show but uh, it was definitely at the cyc it was definitely wwf so uh but yeah i have no idea what the card is but if you want to go ahead and play this we'll see what he's up to see if he's wrapping this up otherwise we'll move on to the next call so, unfortunately, with my soundboard, there is no pause. It's either play or stop. So, unfortunately, I'd have to play the whole call again. Ah, oh, not worth it. All right. Okay. Never mind. Next call. Thanks, Jayhawk. Sorry, Jayhawk. Uh, next up is uh, Kevin Ford. All right. Joe and Adam, it's Kevin Ford. The Royal Rumble is Saturday, and I can't wait to get my hands on some Mountain Dew Pitch Black. Yeah! Now, I apologize for the short call, but I have to go. My dad says talking on the phone is for pussies. Your dad's not wrong, uh, Kevin. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, people call me, and I'm like, why are you doing this? Stop it. <laughs> like, the only phone call I will answer is from my mom. Anybody uh-huh. else who calls me, like, I just hit the FU button, and I immediately, like, I'll text them back, like, what do you want? Some people will then call me again. I'll hit the FU button again and be like, I'm not fucking answering the phone. But anyways. <laughs> the only phone calls I accept is from my wife. Yep. When she calls to tell me I'm on my way home, and I say, okay, see you there, she always calls me through the Bluetooth on her phone, and it sounds like shit, and she wants to tell me a story, and I go, eh, it sounds like shit, just talk when we get home, right? <laughs> and then yeah. the, only, the only phone call I make is to my wife to let her know I'm on my way home in the very f- far and few between times that I leave the house, and when I call to order Chinese food. That's it. Yeah. 
Um, the only phone calls I make now are my new weekly phone calls to Indie Wrestling Guide and uh, to uh, all of those involved in that show. You're welcome. Uh, you'll get a call again soon. And I'll say this, it's, it's, uh, spoilers, not to peel back the curtain, um, but when I would call into Pod Van Dam, uh, I di- I wouldn't call in on my phone. I would call in uh, through the microphone like I record the show here through their Google Voice number. Yeah. Like, I was dialing in to their phone number, but I was doing it from my computer with, like, a nice microphone instead of, like, my phone, you know? Yeah, and I just elbowed a table next to me and knocked everything over. But uh, um, on my most most recent uh, call-in, I just recorded it on the computer and then emailed it to Butters. So, uh, yeah, it allows me to go much further than the two-minute time limit I've discovered. So Mm, It's three minutes, but yes. Or whatever, but... Uh, any other calls? Yes. Uh, uh, Kevin Hellion's called. Oh, hey. Hello, guys. Kevin here. Excited for Royal Rumble weekend. Uh, I got plans to watch it. Very much looking forward to it. Always uh, an exciting pay-per-view. Premium live event, whatever. Right. But I'm sure you guys have already talked about Rumble and maybe some of the other callers have. So let's talk about something I don't think has been mentioned so far in the show. Power Slap. That's right. Coming on TBS right after AEW Dynamite, the brainchild, we'll say, in a way of Dana White, which really he just watched uh, it being popular in other countries and decided, how can I make money off of this? And what a great way to do some social media promotion there with a video of him and his wife at a casino. And it's okay, (laughs) though, because he's drunk. It's forgivable. You know, let's all look the other way here. And speaking of looking the other way, I mean, I'm watching Power Slap and for the, not not like religiously, just if I'm still awake after Dynamite, but for the car crash that it is, I mean, like this, this is not a good thing, right? Like someone's going to get really hurt, really injured, like some, something bad can happen to this. Probably. And I, I see we think, oh, we're going to make it a legitimate sport. Here's the referee and here's the count and here's what we're doing here and here's what we're doing here. All right, you're making an attempt. I get it. I understand. But all in all, it's really just who can hit someone in the face the hardest and and the worst, right? Like, something's going to happen here. Um, and UFC, like, tried really, really hard for a lot of years in all of mixed martial arts to not be seen as a barbaric sport and be given some sort of respect. And, and they reached that level. That's not going to happen with power slap. And, and we also got this full reality thing of, oh, they're all going to live in a house and have to deal with each other. I just feel like, and, and maybe I'm making it worse by actually watching it, like yep. something really bad is going to happen here. And power slap is going to have to go away eventually. But what are your thoughts on it, gentlemen? That's a very long-winded question. Talk to you later. <laughs> Enjoy the rumble. Um, I'll, I'll just ask you, Joe, did you happen to catch any of it? Because for me, I didn't make it a point to watch it. It's just my DVR, uh, happened to catch like the first minute or two of the premiere episode. So I watched until the DVR cut off, if that makes sense. But did you see any of it? You couldn't pay me to watch this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would not make it a point to watch it. Uh, and I'll just say like, there was a, a 10, 12 year, 12 year period where I fucking loved UFC. I ate, slept, Shit, 
UFC, from the Ultimate Fighter to watching whatever free shows were on to going to pay-per-views at my buddy's house or at the bar. I loved UFC. And, like, I kind of lost interest when they moved from pay-per-view to ESPN. And a lot of the names that I grew up with retired. So I'm a guy who who loved UFC. I don't know anybody who's anybody in UFC anymore. And I, I'll just say I used to really like Dana White. I was, like, one of those people, like, oh, Dana White's cool. He's, like, a cooler Vince McMahon. But obviously Ugh. he became a piece of shit, whether it be uh, what political people he donates a lot of money to or now him slapping around his wife. He's a piece of shit. And like you said, I would not make it a point to watch this show. I would not give them the benefit of my ratings. Not that I'm a Nielsen house, but somehow I feel like if I turn it on, somebody at TBS would know, and I don't want that to happen. Um, but what I did see, uh, again, my DVR caught the first fight, and I see fight very loosely because it was basically a guy spending 30 seconds lining up his slap, going... <sighs> He's like, it was a fucking Lamaze class. He's lining up his slap and the guy's just standing there waiting for it. And then he hits the guy. Guy gets knocked out immediately. And immediately he's like in the thriller pose because, you know, the guy who's knocked out, his arms get rigid. And I'm like, okay, this guy's dead. And I'm not watching this anymore. And the fact that somebody from TBS was like, oh, wrestling fans will like this. They're a bunch of fucking idiots. Like, I hope that this doesn't get like another episode. I hope this is a giant embarrassment for Dana White and the network. Uh, but yeah, it's stupid. So <laughs> I'm, Dana, I'm a little passionate about it. Dana White is unembarrassable, if that's even a word. Um, after he was caught drunkenly slapping his wife at a New Year's Eve party and yeah. just said like there will be no repercussions to me for this. But in the past, when there have been fighters in the UFC who have had indiscretions with other, with their significant others, they've been banned from competition. So again, you know, he gets to hold himself to a different lofty standard. Um, I like my combat sports to be more worked than this. Um, this seems to be a bunch of untrained amateurs giving each other CTE on yep. purpose, where I like my CTE to happen by accident. <laughs> um, I know the ratings were up this week, but I do know that Dana White specifically paid for the jackass guys and Chael Sonnen to, like, blast social media to get people to watch this show. Um, but it's not great ratings, but the ratings were up from last week. Again, when did the show become a rating show? I don't like talking about ratings, but here we are. Um, I say the less you acknowledge or tweet or whatever powers slap, the better. Um... Oh. You know, I'm I'm about a week away from muting the words, so none of it shows up on my timeline. Yeah, I think I got a promoted tweet about it, so I blocked it so it doesn't get the benefit of my views. There you, you know? go. But yeah, it, it's just stupid and like and again, Kevin made it a point that it was like, hey, UFC, you know, spent a lot of years trying to de-emphasize the savagery of like the early UFC. Like the early UFC, you you're able to fucking like kick people in the dick and poke them in the eye and shit you know some of those first couple pay-per-views so like they did a really good job of of saying hey we're a sport take us seriously and this is you know the exact opposite and you could say and i don't mean to cut you off i want to finish this thought you can say that well ufc is one thing slap fight is another thing and you can't you know compare and one doesn't tarnish the other one well, say that to like when Vince McMahon started the xfl obviously well both times you know that hurt the WWE, and you could say, well, one's wrestling, one's football, uh, 
they have nothing to do with each other. It doesn't matter. It's one like it's the same face, not don't say the face. It's the same face of the companies. And like one of them goes down, the other one gets hurt because of it. I was going to say, in those early UFCs, uh, dick kicks and eye gouging were the only two rules that you couldn't do that, <laughs> and everything else was legal. So Yeah. Like, yeah. whenever somebody, like, talks about UFC who doesn't remember those early ones or never saw it, like, I, I, I point out that there was a guy who thought it would be a good idea to have one boxing glove mm-hmm. and, like, one exposed bare knuckle. That way he can jab with the boxing glove one and then, like, hit his knockout punch with the one that's, like, bare knuckle. And, oh, my God. It was fucking, it was a mess. But anyways, Idiots. enough time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Last call. Pink button time. It's young Ed. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um, I just wanted to call in and give you guys an update on how OhioCon went. It went very well. I had over 100 people on my panel. Um, hey. All my jokes hit because I'm a funny, funny boy. <laughs> And uh, well, it went great. It went great. But I want to tell you guys this story because I think it's super fucking funny. Um, there's a bar at the hotel, right? And uh, after my panel, we're all at the bar. And um, uh, a guy, an old guy, is at the bar. And uh, he uh, he is annoying everyone, but he's being nice and buying drinks, right? And he asked me, what are you? And I said, oh, I'm Enid from Wednesday. He said, no, like... Are you a boy or a girl? And I just said, oh, no, dude. I don't think you ask people that, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm not being a dick. I'm not being a dick. I was like, yeah, no, not, you're not trying to. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, and this guy next to me is like, is he bothering you? And I was like, no, no, no. He's, he's harmless. It's fine, right? And he's like, all right. I'm going to get this guy thrown out anyway, though. Is that cool? I was like, yeah, it's fine. So, like, uh, I go to my table, and then, like, three minutes later, the cops are escorting this guy out. And uh, I was told solely because he asked me if I had a dick, which is <laughs> fucking great. Um, but uh, besides that, I had nothing to say. So I did the thing where I looked at the Raw that you're going to talk about, and I have a thing from this Raw, the European title match. Uh, the European title is my favorite championship in the history of uh, pro wrestling. I fucking love that belt. And uh, I remember this vividly because I was super, super stoked when Owen Hart beat Goldust dressed as Triple H for it. Yeah. Uh, and I was so stoked to the point where, like, I never thought about the logic. And uh, it hit me the next day at school that how could, how is this how is this a thing and how is this possible? And the joke, I, I thought, this might be dumb. This might be dumb writing. <laughs> um so uh, I wonder how much more of that is going to happen where I'm like, oh, I remember that. And then I kind of remember thinking it was stupid. Um, can't wait for dude love to come back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bye. I'm just now seeing pictures. Joe, you're showing me yeah. his cosplay. Uh, that's a spot on Edith. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it did real good with his. Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't know your friends' names and stuff. Uh, but there's their friend that went his thing. Yeah, body okay. suit. Yeah, yeah. I heard the, on the stink sheet him talking about that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so thank you again for calling, Ed. Uh, yes, there's going to be a lot more stupid stuff, and I can't wait for Dude Love to come back either. <laughs> that was very sincere. I liked it. It was around like the April sixteenth Raw, right? Okay. Thank you, everyone, for calling in. <laughs> I don't know what any of that was, but yes, thank you. <laughs> Make a note for yourself. 
All right, April 16th. <laughs> so, hey, you can support the show, of course, by signing up for Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. IWTV. Uh, they got a slew of shows going on. I think there's a Beyond show this weekend, maybe. I don't know. I know um, they have a schedule up on the website. Use the promo code ADDODS if you're a new subscriber. It's going to let Jerry know that you came to him from us, and we get a little bit of a kickback uh, as long as you keep your subscription with them. Uh, you could also go over to our T Public store. They're having a sale, 35% off everything until Sunday, and you can get a bunch of Ad Odds inspired designs on shirts and cell phone covers and notebooks and throw pillows and all sorts of shit like that, right? Yep. Um, and hey, before I hit this, I almost forgot because a newish newish segment, uh, weekly purges is. Oh, did you purge anything, Joe? I, I did. Uh, I did purge. I, I did purge some screenshots. Um, okay. Of some, anything in particular? Uh, some people that don't know jokes. And <laughs> uh, and then I also have um, how the Elias Ezekiel angle was nothing like the Karate Man. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, everybody knew that Ezekiel was Elias and vice versa. We still don't know who the Karate Man was. That's true. You know, so that there's really no comparison. Um, but, Joe, I also purged some stuff. And uh, uh, one thing, I did actually sell seven Funko Pops this week on eBay uh, for a total of like 250 bucks. Wow, uh, and I, nice. And I. Yeah, I sold a bunch of other stuff on eBay, so I had a pretty good week on eBay. Like I, it, I now that like I'm back in business on uh, like actually exporting, uh, I might never have to get a job again. That might be the plan. But also last week I talked about removing Billy Kay from the Adam Van Special Top Ten, and I did get some flack about that, and I I do regret it because I feel like. Even though she doesn't belong there because she's not an active competitor, I felt like if I just didn't mention it, like she could have slipped under the radar. She could have been grandfathered in, you know, like I, I feel like there's a glaring hole with her not being there. So I do miss her. I hope she does like an indie booking so I could put her back in. But Joe, I do have to purge somebody else from the Adam Van Top 10. Oh, no, I hope this doesn't become a weekly occurrence. It's not. It's not. Because honestly, there's some people in there that like they'll never, ever, ever leave. Uh... Like, even if they stop wrestling, I'll make amendments to the rule. But I, I feel like, and again, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, but I feel like the Adam Van special top 10 is, it's the cream of the crop. It's the, it's the people that I just, you know, I'm just the biggest fan of. And I might have got caught in the buzz of the hater hive. <gasps> and I might have, uh -oh. I might have added her into the top 10. Uh, a little prematurely, so no disrespect. Jamie Hader's awesome, but she's not in my top ten. So I'm shame. Purging, I'm purging Jamie Hader from the the top ten. So I still don't know who's taking these places right now. They're vacant. Uh, but yeah, sorry, sorry, Jamie, you gotta go. Shame. The fact that you're doing this and not even replacing them shows them absolutely no respect whatsoever. Adam. Well, no, because I have like five people that are borderline. I just can't decide who who's going to get those two spots. It, it, it'll all come out. We'll go into great detail in future episodes. Don't worry. We'll do a separate <laughs> podcast about it. Nah, nah, nah. Well, oh, you know what? I got. You know what, Adam? I got a better idea. Yeah. Why don't you call in on to uh, Indie Wrestling Guide and leave that information on there? 
oh, you know what? I'll just like, since there's no time limit, I could just muse on forever and kind of do like a breakdown of like each one of them. I say that, go for it. That That's a good idea. I actually have like my next couple weeks worth of calls already kind of planned in my head, but maybe this one will go uh, right in the right at the beginning. So All right. that's, that's good. Like kind of like a top, I'll break down the top 10, uh, kind of do some history, maybe who's in the Hall of Fame, who got eliminated. Uh, I can I could do an easy 40 minutes on that. <laughs> for sure. All right. But that's all I got for weekly purchases. All right. Uh, I, I would forget to mention that. But again, of course, if you want to support us as well, uh, you can make any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. That cloud has been lifted over my head. The <laughs> link to the uh, our Amazon affiliate stuff is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is you get these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this week include uh, a book entitled... Public administrating administration evolving from foundations to the future. Oh, somebody does some learning. I guess. Uh, some. This is a smarter person. I would say they bought the Big Lebowski on Blu-ray because physical media rules. I agree. Uh, somebody also purchased a Northern Lights candles, spirit candles in green. I guess, I don't know if that's the color of the candle, the scent of the candle. I thought it was a type of a suplex. Oh, well, again, if you do a Northern Lights <laughs> suplex, I think that's why someone bought it, because I was talking about The Rock doing uh, Northern Lights suplexes last week. Uh, somebody also purchased an Amazon Essentials Men Slim Fit Wrinkle Resistant Flat Front Chino Pant in gray. It always trips me out when I see pants singularized as pant. Yeah, is, is it like the Zack Ryder gear? It's just right. one leg? It might, oh, that, that'd be interesting. It's just one leg, yes. <laughs> nice. And then somebody purchased Metallica's new CD, 72 Seasons. Uh, look at Metallica putting out new music. Good for them. All their older stuff prior to 1992 was so good. Why would you put out anything new? Anyway. <laughs> I didn't hear. Did they have like a new single? Um, no, so that's the thing. I'm kind of out of the Metallica loop. I did see that they're going to do like a Fathom events where they're going to release the CD before the CD comes out. Yeah, more like escape, but exactly uh... <laughs> more like, again, listen, if there's anybody trying to squeeze as many dimes as they can out of whatever music they put out, it's either Gene Simmons from kiss or Lars Ulrich from Metallica. <laughs> But again, I will say physical media, uh, again, is king. So kudos on somebody buying a CD. I like that. Yeah, baby. Whenever uh, Foo Fighters put out um, new music, I always buy the CD of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Even, even though like it comes with like the digital thing and I'm all the digital stuff, I don't even have a CD player. Um, but, you know, God forbid something happens. I want that CD, you know? Yeah, my favorite thing, and this happens with, like, I'll occasionally buy a CD from Amazon. It's, I think it's been a little while, but uh, a lot of times... They'll if you buy the physical CD, they'll email you the MP3s. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, okay, I just take those MP3s, load them onto like my phone or whatever. And then when the physical one comes, I don't even open it. I just throw it up on the shelf. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's the best of both worlds. Exactly. Cool. Uh, but, but thank you. Nope. Yeah, thank you everyone for any and all of your purchases this week. Absolutely. I and mean, you know what else is the best of both worlds, Joe? Just real quick, these podcasts. And those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, 
Wrestling Cheers, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, If You Catch My Grift, and The Stink Sheets. Can I hit the music? You can hit the music. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> Joe, can I just say, and I'm surprised we didn't start the podcast with this. And uh, have you put aside the appropriate amount of funds to buy the figure of your sweet Brucey? Uh, I always, ha- I always have a walking around thirty five dollars waiting for the day that Brucey got a figure. So I've been <laughs> sitting on a, a twenty, a five, and a ten in my wallet that just has written on it for Sweet Brucey for this day to come. Uh, Pre order is not up yet, but the day it does, am I paying the suckers premium for a Bruce Pritchard action figure? You might say I'm a double sucker, but you know what? I love my Sweet Brucey. Well, I have good news for you, Joe. That is in Legends 19, which is a Target exclusive, which means there is no Suckers Premium. You just have to order them on Target's website. Cool. Even better. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'll tell you the opportunity is, uh, did you want anybody else from that line or just Nah, just Brucey. So, you being a mint on card guy, just like me, uh, when they go up for pre-order at 20 bucks a piece. Order seven. Well, no, well, Target has free shipping at 35 bucks. Uh-huh. So order two of them. You get free shipping. You pay 40 bucks. When they come in, you pick the one you like, and then you return the other one and get your 20 bucks back. It's uh, easy peasy. I don't know. Might need a Lucy Brucey. I don't know. Well, if you want a Lucy, <laughs> a Lucy Brucey. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Joe, I think you got to change the show name. Uh, <laughs> it, it was originally from here on in, but uh, I think Lucy Brucey oh. is the winner now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can have a Lucy Brucey and uh, you can have a mint on card one. And uh, there you go. But uh, obviously, you know, when when I know, you'll know. So uh, I looked at that series and uh, I'm not interested in any of them. So uh, I, the brother love figure is a nice figure, but. I don't have the emotional attachment you guys have to it. And uh, I'm happy when there is a line of figures that I can just skip the whole thing. Yeah. Like I said, the, the two D-Lo's look really cool. Um, the the Nation Era Godfather pre-becoming the Godfather is really cool. Um, that particular era, like 96, um, you know, world champion or, 90, or early 97 world champion Undertaker. They're great looking figures, yeah. but I don't need them. Yeah. Now I will tell you if it's like how Target put all the legends on sale over the last couple of weeks for like eleven bucks, and yeah. that's what caused me to buy the AJ the WCW AJ Styles. You know, I wasn't gonna spend like twenty dollars on that, but I'll spend eleven. I would do that with Brother Love, but yeah, we'll see. But Joe, do you have any purchases this week? I do. I got two. One is a quickie, one is a story. All right, do your quickie, and I'll do some quickies. All right, so uh, Patreon show for Longbox Heroes, previewing the past. We look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Um, We're getting ready to finish up 1993. Todd has scanned up to June. He claims he doesn't have July. I don't have July here, so I had to reorder another copy of July. 
Oh, what the I hell? That got lost somewhere. I could have <laughs> swore I had it. It looks so familiar. Uh, Todd doesn't listen to this. I absolutely think Todd hasn't misplaced it. Um, but that being said, I'm re- I reordered another one. All right. Well, it wasn't too expensive, I hope. It's like With shipping, it was like 20 bucks. Because oh. they're like big, thick, giant catalogs. Yeah, yeah. It was like 8 bucks, but then it was $12 shipping. I messaged the guy, and I'm like, hey, can I get cheaper shipping? And he said, no. <laughs> You have to take a look at when that comes in, take a look at the actual price paid because, uh, you know, a lot of times the label will say, oh, you only paid six dollars, but somehow I paid twelve. Oh, I'm well aware. I'm yeah, well aware. Yeah. I've used that before. Uh, a couple quick things. Uh, I did pre-order from uh, like uh, not shop AEW, but from the the the, the freaking T-shirt site. Uh, I pre-ordered the William Regal micro brawler. Oh, OK, just because I was like, ah. I don't see William Regal getting anything anytime soon. You know, even if he gets like a Legends WWE figure, it might be a long time. So I was like, I'll get a, I'll, I'll get a Regal. Um, so that was cool. And in the Major Pod Facebook group, last night was, or not last night, Tuesday was like the Tuesday night like card club, which is like just a, a marketplace just for selling cards. I don't know if you're familiar, right? I am. I know what goes on over in the Broski uh, Facebook group. Yeah. So. Uh, somebody in that, like that thread just put a post up saying, Hey, here's a list of all the shit that's on my eBay. Let me know if you want anything, you know, rather than just individually listing all the stuff he had. So I went over to his eBay and he actually had figures up there. And one of them was the Jack's classic superstars, Terry Funk figure. And he was already the cheapest person on eBay with that figure, like mint on card uh, on eBay. It was like 29 bucks plus $8 shipping. So like 38 bucks, which like I said, is the cheapest one on eBay. So I just messaged him and been like, Hey, what's the off eBay price for this funk? And he told me 24 shipped. So I was like, I would be a fool not to jump on that. So I started 2022 with no Terry funk figures. I am starting 2023 now with five Terry funk figures. Awesome. Welcome yep. aboard. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, like I said, it's it's the same exact attire as the Elite that I got a couple weeks ago. You know, like the black and red striped pants or the red and black, right, red and white. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But uh, whatever. It's just uh, it was cheap enough. And uh, I want to get those figures before uh, uh, they get more expensive. But uh, what do you got for me, Joe? You say you have a story. I do. Um, so um, my kid for a while has been thinking and talking and whatever about sending some of his Pokemon cards out to get PSA graded, right? Oh, okay. Slippery he, slope. It's slippery slope. He goes, and I've explained the process to him and, you know, so on and so forth. Like you watch a TikTok video about it. That's one thing. But to like look at the card, determine if it's worth it, going through the whole process to submit it, whatever. Or I could just go look to see if there's ones on eBay, right? Yeah. So uh, there's a one of his, and again, the, the his current favorite Pokemon doesn't matter. Um, there's a card. It's PSA graded. It's a nice looking card. It's ten, right? Again, PSA, not PGX or whatever the fuck it is. Not the Japanese version of the card. You know, I want PSA because that's what he knows, and I want a ten, right? Yep. So so the guy has it up for thirty five bucks, or make offer, right? <laughs> so. I make an offer, right? Yep. Um, I start my offer at twenty six bucks, and it gets okay. immediately it gets immediately rejected, right? Okay. Twenty seven rejected. Twenty eight 
rejected. Uh-oh. 29 rejected. Now it's telling me I could only make five offers. And if the fifth offer is rejected, I can't make any more offers, right? Yeah. So I make my last offer at $30 and it's rejected. Okay. I'll keep an eye on it. So, you know, when you watch something, you get that email like a day or two after you're watching it. And it says like, oh, the seller's offering you a lower price. <laughs> yeah. So the seller offers me a lower price. $31.50. Okay. I decline it. Oh, playing hard to get. <laughs> I, and that has to go two days. When the seller makes you an offer, you have to wait the two days after you decline it. But then it allows you to make offers again. Oh, I didn't know it reset that. I've never it gone does. that far. Okay, look at me learning something from you about eBay. So I make an offer. $30. <laughs> and he takes it. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you got to do the dance, you know? You gotta I, be I got to no walk problem. Away. My kid don't know what's coming. It's, it's going to be a surprise for him, you know? Yeah, and you said this is a PSA 10? Yeah, it's a PSA 10. Okay. I mean, honestly... I, the prices have gone down recently, and you can do bulk orders. But I mean, like grading a card, especially with PSA, might run you like twenty bucks. So it's like that's a really good price for, especially a, a PSA ten, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is. You know, just yes. the, the the fact that it like costs so much to get stuff graded now. So good on you. Yeah, you and he'll and he'll. I think he'll he'll go nuts over it. You know, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, and when he gets it, you have to tell him the story and teach him how to negotiate. Of course I will. <laughs> All right, Joe. I have some other purchases, uh, and I won't try to take up too much time, but some of them have a little bit of a story. Um, I actually just purchased yesterday morning uh, from a, a fellow member of the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, that would be my weekly purchases uh, – I'm sorry, weekly purchases guest host, Brett. Uh, Brett is no longer interested in the zombie sailor Danhausen figure that he pre-ordered like three years ago, and he sold to me at cost, at good brother pricing. So I have another zombie sailor figure, Joe. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have another undead seaman figure, as uh, Todd would put it. So, yes, I have the, the Danhausen coming my way, which just shipped. And another thing I pre-ordered is... Uh, these are a little expensive, Joe, and you might have seen Praternia send out the notice that they went up for pre-order yesterday, but I pre-ordered the Japanese import Mafex, like M-A-F-E-X, right. uh, Winter Soldier, and Stealth Suit Cap figures, because everybody knows that Captain America the Winter Soldier is the greatest superhero movie ever made. Uh, that's obviously without a doubt. And they are relatively expensive figures, but they don't come out until 2024. And that's like next year Adam's problem. That's not like this year's Adam's problem. So sure. I get them through Big Bad Toy Store so they don't charge until they ship. So that was a that was an easy decision. Um, yeah, so you would uh, posted those figures. They're nice looking figures. Uh, Chris Evans looks very pretty. Uh, his head sculpt. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad I'm not bit by that bug, you know? Yeah. Honestly, like if I only could have one, I would get the winter soldier one, but like, I'm like, ah, oh, I'll get the, I like the cap and like the bluish muted tone, you know, outfit. It's a cool figure, but, uh, uh, that, that cap one might get canceled sometime between now and like Q2 2024 when these come out, but we'll see. Um, one other thing, Joe, and I, I just want to say there's a lot of people that go in our circles that claim to be a toy influencer. 
Uh, some people even make Twitter accounts to make those claims. And some people even play along with that Twitter account. But, Joe, you know how you know when you're a real toy influencer? When toy companies reach out to just send you free stuff so that you can plug it. And that's what happened with Rubber City Toys. They're the company that made the Danhausen and Derek Dillinger figures that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, they actually reached out to me and said, hey, give me your address. And they sent – I'm going to send it over to you real quick. They're cool little things. Uh, do you remember those Mad Balls that they had when we were kids? Like of the course. Rubber, they were like garbage fail kid type deals. Uh, he made one of Eddie only called a Bonzo Gonzo ball. Uh, so he sent that to me and he sent some other little masked guide who I don't know what it is, uh, but we'll just say it's this fucking guy <laughs> you know, like Broski would do. But uh, uh, thank you to Rubber City Toys. Check them out on Instagram. They have a lot of cool, uh, small, like gimmick table type figures. They're awesome. Now, are you sure you didn't just depict those up off of uh, Fig Daddy Cool's porch and you're trying to uh, have some stolen valor here? Or? <laughs> I, I would, you know, without prompting, there's no world where uh, Fig Daddy Cool even knows who any of the names I just mentioned are, let alone okay. the toy companies. But, uh, yeah, so thank you to uh, Rubber City Toys. And I have, let me just make sure I didn't mix all this stuff up. I have one other purchase to talk about, and this is actually a little bit of a follow-up to last year's. <laughs> I'm just laughing at your screen. Uh, well, this is a follow-up to something that I talked about a couple weeks ago. And you remember me going on a rant about the Snoop Dogg Funko Pops? Yes, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, there was the issue where there was a variant and there wasn't a variant. He's in a Pittsburgh uh, thing. They're going to only have them at the p location. And then they went ahead and put them out on like whatever. Yeah. So basically they, they did a home jersey and a away jersey. The home jersey went up on uh, Funko's website. I managed to get two of those. Uh, I already flipped one, made my money back, and then some on eBay. So it worked out well. And then there was one that's only available at the Snoop Dogg pop-up shop in California, uh, like in L.A. And that one is limited to 5000 Um Those went up on eBay. They were selling for around 200 to 250 bucks a piece. I said, there's no world where I will pay anywhere close to that amount of money for a Funko, unless it's an Asriel. Um, they came down a little bit, and they are briskly selling on eBay for anywhere from 110 to 130 bucks. And I said, I still will never pay that much. I don't like Snoop Dogg. I just want it because it's a Steelers item. Sure. So, but that doesn't stop me from clocking them when they come up on eBay. You know, like I have the save search. Yeah. So a guy put up two of them on eBay on like the same listing where it was like, I've, you know, that he has multiples available and they were $120 buy it now free shipping. And I said to, you know, no, I'm not paying $120 for one of these. I don't want it that badly, but you know how sometimes when you do the little like add two to your cart, you get like a package deal and it's like, Hey, 5% off or 3% yes. off or something like that. So for whatever reason, and this might require you to do a little bit of uh, – you've heard of fish math. Uh, this is uh, Funko math. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, so for whatever reason, 120 each, or if you buy two, $60 each. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. 
No. I added it to my cart, and I'm like, he had to have fucked this up. There's no way he would, like, you can buy one for 120 or buy two for 120 So I'm like, all right, well, let's see what happens. I add the two to my cart. I check out. I pay him. I get the the PayPal confirmation. I get the eBay confirmation. I show it to like our buddy Derek, and you know, he's like, "Oh, that that's a fuck up. You're not getting those." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get a cancellation email from him, like in a couple minutes or whatever." I get the shipping confirmation, so I got two of them for sixty bucks a piece. And Joe, you know what my plan is, right? You're Take gonna that f- extra. Sell it on eBay for 100, 120, whatever. And I got the Snoop Dogg limited to 5,000 for like free or negative money or something. I don't care. I got it for a lot less than 120 bucks. So now is this like um, a seller with like a high seller rating? Yeah, it's like 100% feedback, a couple hundred positive. He already gave me a tracking number. And it's like if he doesn't follow through, eBay sides with the the buyer 100% of the time. So it's not like I'm out of my money, you know? Uh, it's just worst case. I'm out of my time, you know, and I'm wasting your time by telling you the story. But uh, he sent me two, or he, I think he sent me two of them. So, and like I said, I'm going to sell the the extra on eBay for you know 100 bucks or whatever. And uh, like when all said and done, after fees, maybe I spend 20 bucks, 30 bucks on the one, you know. See, and you, and you got all bent out of shape for nothing. Well, again, I'm I'm, I'm back into the importing and the exporting. And uh, it opens up a world of uh, opportunities. So I'm happy about that. You know? Uh-huh. Well, Joe, I'm happy about that. But I'm not happy about something else. All right. Joe, I made another purchase this week, and uh, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it on the air. And as you know, uh, contrary to what anybody else might say, uh, there's definitely not screenshots trying to besmirch my name to to say that I said something to the contrary, but I am a bendy guy. Uh, I've never left being a bendy guy. I like major bendies. I collect major bendies. I'm not a completist. But I like to buy major bendies if they're of somebody I like. And out of the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, three hosts, I dare say that right now in the year 2023, Mark Sterling might be my favorite of the three. So whenever uh, a, a, a figure or something close to a figure of Mark, he comes up, I want one. Seems reasonable, right? I'm just shocked that you like Marky more than Brian, but whatever. I do, because you know what? Marky's still grounded, and he's still the everyman of the podcast. He might be on national TV, but like, <laughs> I feel like when you listen to that podcast, Marky's the one who's experiencing it through your eyes, and that's what I like about it, you know? Mr. Two-Booked Good-itis is uh, <laughs> a relatable everyman? Okay. Well, he is, yeah. He, despite his success, he's still uh, humble. Not the, um, not the father of two children who's living in his parents' basement while they <laughs> renovate his house? Hey, listen, maybe maybe Mark uh, or Brian's number two, you know, but... Yeah, well... Anyways, anyways, that's not the point. I'm just stalling, but... um. On Saturday, 
the major podcast was having their live podcasting event, Live 15. Right. And, and they announced uh, on Twitter uh, during the live broadcast that I wasn't watching uh, that there was going to be a limited edition Smartmark Major Bendy going up for sale um, during like the whatnot stream that they were going to put on after the live show went off the air, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, they do what their whatnot streams are always crazy. Sure. Yeah, because by that point, you know, everybody's been drinking and they bring on some of the the, the guests, you know, like they had Sammy Guevara and Tony Nice and stuff like that show up on the, the stream. So and negative I, one, negative one was there and absolutely negative one. He was selling eight by tens and said, fuck Vance, which was awesome. Uh, fuck was censored, but he's, you know, he's 11. What do you want? Uh, <laughs> but that was awesome. So anyways, I made it a point to like, OK, I got to check out this stream. I want to try to get a smart mark bendy. Uh, so they basically say they go on the air and they're like, Mark comes on. He's like, there are 200 of these uh, on the planet Earth and whatever. We can make our joke. That Wink. Just, yeah, just 200 mean 200, whatever. It's a limited run color. There's not going to be a thousand of them like there is with a standard one. So whatever. If there's 250, 220, I don't care. I want one. Uh, so Mark says, hey, we're going to put a couple of them up. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to put a couple up on every week's whatnot stream, you know, just kind of trickle them up so they don't sell out immediately. So they put 40 of them up in the buy it now. And Joe, they are listed as signed whatnot exclusive smart Mark Sterling major bendy. And Mark holds up a signed one. He says, you are getting these signed exclusive smart Mark major bendies. And then they put them up in like a minute and a half. They're gone. And I did get one. It was $40 plus like $8 shipping, whatever. I would have paid that in a heartbeat. I don't care about the price. It's something I wanted. I don't care. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't collect signed bendies unless, you know, whatever. It's the only way to get it like the Johnny Gargano. But I don't want to go out of my way to pay extra. But the fact that it was signed, I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, whatever. Um, Mark then goes and puts one up for auction and says, Hey, this one I'm going to sign. But the, the, the reason why this one's going to be unique is I'm going to write on it. It's the first signed one ever, you know, like number one signed or whatever. And that ends up selling for like 200 bucks. People are crazy, whatever it's their money. But he made it a point to say the reason why this one is going on auction is because it's going to say number one, first one signed or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I got my major bendy, less stress. I don't have to worry about trying to get one on next week's whatnot or the one after that or whatever. But I do watch them because I consider it like a little bit of an extra podcast. I'm watching this Monday's broadcast, and they went and they put up another, like, let's say 20 or so of them. Uh, they sold out instantly, same price. Uh, but these just said, what not exclusive smart mark bendy. So Somebody asks in the comments, hey, are these bendies going to be signed or was that just Saturdays? Uh, then Mark has like a confused look on his face. And Broski says, the ones from Saturday weren't signed. We never said they were going to be signed. <laughs> so I said in the comments, I'm not trying to like start a fight, but my listing, my PayPal, or not my PayPal, my, my whatnot receipt says signed smart mark bendy and then broski says because again I, I type it into the comments and they're going to read it sometimes but 
Broski sees that and he's like, I don't give a fuck what your receipt said. It's not signed. If you don't fucking like it, cancel it. And we'll sell it to the next person. Sorry, pal. That's just the way it is. What a, what a sweetheart your broski is. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, I don't care about it being signed. I'm not hurt about it. I would have paid the $40 plus $8 shipping for an unsigned one. All I was doing was stating a fact. <laughs> and I didn't even bring up the fact that Marky said, oh, this one that I'm signing right now in the auction is the first one signed and the other ones are just signed. Or the fact that everybody that was on the broadcast was drunk. So it's like they're not the most reliable narrator. You no. know? Uh, but the fact that like Broski was just like, I don't give a fuck what it says. Fucking cancel it if you don't like it. I'm not canceling it. But it was just like. That is like the seventh or eighth time that this guy is fucking like targeted me <laughs> and basically told me to fuck off. And if he does it like another 20 or 30 times, I'm going to start getting pissed. Yeah, I would give it at least another 20 or 30. <laughs> it's just like I was stunned by just the, the fuck offery of that. Like just like. You're going to have, you sold like 40 of them. You have 40 people that have receipts that say signed. And it's not like you're tracking down Michael Jordan here. You're, you get Mark to sign them. You know, like it's not that big of a deal. You could be like, okay, we fucked up. We're going to take this extra step to have them signed or whatever. Or just have Mark say, hey, you know what? If you ever see me at an indie show, bring it. I'll sign it for free. It would have been as easy as that. But instead to be like, no, go fuck yourself and cancel it. If you don't like it, I don't give a shit what the listing said, <laughs> you know? Uh, now, I, I, so I have a couple questions. Go Are ahead. you the lone dissenter here attempting to start yet another coup? I am definitely not because a, again, I don't care about the, the fact that it's signed or not. I was just trying to chime in to clarify. But after I said that, like eight other people in the chat were like, yes, it said it was signed. Yes. It said it was signed yet. Yeah, like they were all chiming in to say that I was right. Mm hmm. And then, like, I never said anything about it after the fact. So yeah. has anyone else picked up on it in the Facebook group since and said, like, hey, listen, I know Saturday you said they're signed. You know, all of our receipts paying to the things say signed. You're and then Monday you were a dick and you're just going to say that they're not signed. You know, I don't know, like, maybe in the future, don't <laughs> do drunk whatnot streams and offer things and then rescind them two days later yeah really no i did not see anything in the facebook group uh but at the same time there was only 40 for sale mm. uh so it's not like a lot of people could be pissed like you only right. have a sample size of 40 people i'm sure a lot of people are like me that were like ah whatever i don't care uh and also there were people that were at live 15 who bought it on whatnot and then just like were able to walk up and get it Okay. And then probably got it signed for free there. Yeah. So they're unaffected. You know, so I feel like out of that 40, who knows what percentage of people are actually upset about it. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not upset about it. Like if it's an oversight or a mistake or if all the majority of these are up in New York with Kinnick and like obviously Mark's not in New York or whatever. So I understand how it could be a pain in the ass to get them signed. You know, if you sold all your extras at, you know, the, the tin roof or wherever they were in Florida. I don't care. It's just I'm sure there's got to be somebody in that 40 who's furious, and, and it, I'm just waiting for that to happen, you know? Now, I also have to ask is, 
you know, we mentioned before with eBay, eBay is always going to sign on the side of the buyer in a situation like this. I know you don't care if it's signed or not, but would you, if you wanted to, have any sort of recourse through what not to say this was offered and you could go and pull up those old whatnot streams, just so you know. Okay. Yeah, I heard tales of that, but I, I, I don't know. Like I clicked on, I went into my purchase history and yeah. there's a link that says like the stream number. Yeah. But when I click on it, it doesn't do anything. Like it just brings up like, like the date and time. It doesn't bring up a video. We'll talk pal. Okay. <laughs> so you could pull up the stream. You could pull up them saying it's signed on the stream. You have your receipt from whatnot that says this item is signed and what they sent you was not a signed item. Do you then have any recourse with whatnot to say, here's them on your platform offering X, here's your receipt that says X, and they sent me Y? I mean, I'm sure I do, but the seller, in this case, like Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, already said if you, you know, if you get it and it's not signed, if you don't like that, send it back and we'll give you a refund. So that is probably the seller's recourse. Hmm. And obviously I have no interest in that. Okay. You know, like I don't want my money back. I want the Bendy signed or not. I don't care. Right. You but my, So I know you're not going to do that, but could somebody else do that? But I'm, I'm sure somebody else could get it, see that it's not signed, be pissed contact like whatnot or whatever and then whatnot would probably say well here's a return shipping label just like on ebay you know send it back and then they'll refund you so you're out the bendy you have your 40 bucks back you know and then what does that accomplish right and and then you also run the risk of broski spite banning you from the whatnot which Mm. is also something i wouldn't want to deal with you know a spite ban (laughs) yeah Yeah, broski so, I mean, again, if, if if you got one and obviously you didn't listen to the Monday whatnot stream, uh, you don't know that this. Right. Is and that's happened. the other thing. Right. So, like, it, 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 it takes into consideration not only did you do the Saturday one, but you did the Monday one as well. Yeah. So I know all the information. Somebody who just happened to catch the Saturday and missed the Monday because whatever reason, they're going to be in for a disappointment when they get that in the mail. And I'm sure that might be what would lead to some Facebook comments that, you know, we might visit in the future, you know? Absolutely. Because I mentioned that I am a, a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. Uh, you know, there's going to be more because I happen to see both streams. I only care about the figure, whatever. Once those people who didn't see the Monday stream get theirs, maybe that'll cause some dissent. I don't know. But again, I don't care. I would have rather a broski not be a dick about it. Say, hey, it was an oversight. Sorry, it's not happening. Or B, you know, maybe Marky could have said, hey, if you see me at an indie show, I'll sign it for free, you know, like, and I still wouldn't have taken them up on that, you know, right. like a year or months ago. I don't even know when it was. If you remember, I did the bit just for the show where I bought from Chelsea, the save the date magnet. Remember that a yes. while ago? And it was supposed to be signed. And I asked Chelsea, I was like, Hey, this was supposed to be signed. And she's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Send it back to me. I'll have me and Matt sign it and I'll send it back to you. And I was like, that's awesome. I never sent it to her. You know, I'm like, I'm fine with it not being signed. But just the fact that she was like, yeah, my bad. Send it to me and I'll take care of it. I was like, that that's all I wanted. You know, like, and that could have easily been done by somebody on the pod for this Bendy. But they're about to get some pissed off people, you know? I'm sure. But 
like I said, I just wanted to bring it up just because it's a rare example of Broski not having a good bedside manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I figure when it does happen, it should be brought to our attention. Right. Rare. <laughs> but that's all I got, Joe. Are we going to have to change it to poor Adam here soon? <laughs> oh, not at all. All right. So that's it. I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm excited for the Rumble this weekend. You know, last year uh, I know Kevin mentioned in his call that the Rumble's always exciting. I remember last year's Rumble being real bad, um, yeah. both men and women's. But uh, I think uh, I'm excited just because there's going to be a ton of people. It's going to be like a packed house. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to DJs of you know we need wrestling and Wings on Wings. Yeah. Um, I, I understand it's it's going to be like a WWE blast zone. There's going to be so many people there. <laughs> uh, both of the Royal Rumblers will be there. That's right. Two two people. Listen, I, I I understand one person lives there. Yeah, but another person is going out of their way to come and watch a thing that they don't like. Yeah, driving a big tr- big red truck over an hour, like almost an hour in each direction. Yeah. That's that's dedication to wrestling right there. I don't like walking to my couch to watch an episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> You know, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, I tell you, man, that guy likes wrestling. He certainly does. All right. I think that was a good show. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, This was episode 226 of At Odds with Wrestling. Good luck in your rumble picks and pulls. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.